Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance iron of his friend. Iron iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We love you, Lord. I thank you so much for the Iron Show and for my friend Johnny and Rick, Lord. Father, I thank you. I love you, Lord. I love you so much, Jesus. Welcome to the Iron Show. We're down here. we got Johnny Longshoreman talking to you right now with Rick, the surfer. Hey. He's my co-host, host, co-host. Hey, Rick. What's up? <laughs> he has put off his surfing engagement to be on the Iron Show here with Johnny Boy. And uh, we are going to talk about, what are we going to talk about, Rick? How about growing in grace and uh, lifting each other up and instead of batting each other down? How about that? Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You're listening to the Iron Show with Johnny McMahon. Oh yeah, you are, baby. Proud to have the Iron Show right here on Fringe Radio Network. That's FringeRadioNetwork.com. That's really bad. There's nothing going on here. I got all kinds of background noise. I'm gonna hang up. Call you back. 
here. That's not good at all. Let's call Rick White again. Say something, Rick. Hello. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm right here. So. Oh, Rick, we are live. I thought you should know that there's only about 20 million people listening to you now. So say... What's up? Oh, yeah. oh dear, I hit my buttons wrong again. Okay, ready? One, two, three. I'm getting dizzy. Oh, I think I'm having a head rush. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah, baby! <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, let's get uh, Michael Tobin in here. What do you think of that? that boy in here oh boy oh Mike you are live oh he's not here yet oh la 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 Johnny oh Rick will you sing the la la song with me Trying to get Mike Tobin in here. I got Blinky D. I'm gonna call Blinky D. Oh, Blinky! It's my boy, Blinky D. Hello. Oh yeah, Blinky D. Oh Blinky, we are live right now. Isn't that nice? That is so nice, Johnny. Oh, I know, huh? It is so wonderful. Oh yes. Oh dear. What? With uh, my original co-host Rick White and Blinky D. Now we're gonna be adding people to the call. This is our seventh anniversary show. Yes, the Iron Show's birthday is today. Seven years ago today, it was born. Whoa, we got some background noise there. 
Seven years ago today it was born, and uh, uh, we had begun our uh, uh, friendship, me and Rick, uh, about a year earlier on the worldofprophecy.com website. And uh, can I tell you the story about how I met Rick? Can, oh, I, yeah. can I do that? Can I tell you the oh, story? Oh, yeah. Go ahead. All right. Iron Show history here, ancient. About eight years ago, I was uh, I was on the World of Prophecy. I was Johnny the Longshoreman, and uh, I didn't really know that many people. Anyway, uh, my mentor, Louis, the guy that led me to Jesus in 1985, he, was, uh, he had this theory that Jesus was big, tough, ugly, and scary looking. And he had all these uh, these uh, scriptures to back him up, and like that's that was my that was my formation that Jesus was a badass, and uh, right from the beginning, I mean that was where I came from, and I came from a snake bite Pentecostal church. I was saved, you know, everybody rolling around on the floor, uh, speaking in tongues, foaming at the mouth, twitching, and uh, everybody like laying hands on me on the altar and praying over me, speaking in tongues. Uh, and uh, they led me through the sinner's prayer on an April morning in 1985. But Louis, he, uh, Louis had, uh, had this theory about Jesus. He was just a badass, big, tough, ugly, biker-looking guy, intimidating, scary-looking. And I put, so I put that on the World of Prophecy on a thread. I started a thread on the World of Prophecy. And the title of the thread was, Jesus was big, tough, ugly, and scary-looking. And then I went and presented my my you know Louis uh, theory on that, and I I kind of agree with that. But I got attacked. I mean, those guys just there was a whole bunch of guys that just just totally gang attacked me, and they were really they were slamming me. And this guy comes on, and his name was uh, uh, Lions for Jesus, and he was uh, defending me. He was the, like the only guy there, and he was defending me. And he was he like was swinging this big sword right in front of me at all the guy bad guys that were attacking me. And I I like got hold of him, you know, and you know we started to talk and we started to become friends. That was about eight years ago, and then we started hanging out with. We had a little group on the World of Prophecy dot com. There we had a little our kind of inside circle. We had uh, wait quickly from uh, he was in Australia. And we had uh, White Tiger. She is uh, Suzanne Jimenez. She lives in uh, Oklahoma. And uh, so, like me, Wait Quickly, White Tiger. And then Mike Tobin was there from the beginning. Um, actually, actually, when we first started broadcasting the Iron Show. But me and Rick started talking. And, and then uh, we, we got on. And remember we did those prayer sessions for Dr. Future? Because he was going to be on Coast to Coast. Remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. And then after we did that, me and Rick started talking, and Rick Rick came up with the name um, The Iron Show. And so I went and uh, registered it um, at uh, GoDaddy and set up ironshow.com in uh, probably April or so of 2009. And in, uh, or like, no, more like, no, more like July. And August 29th, 2009, on a summer evening, me and Rick White uh, gathered and broadcasted Iron Show 1. And this is our 7th birthday, our 7th anniversary. The Iron Show has been in your ear for 7 years! What's up? Oh, yeah! Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Rick, you probably like probably have something you want to say here. I mean, come on. 
Uh, Speak up. I got nothing, man. No. <laughs> I don't know. It was pretty weird because, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, I always was busy uh, on the computer uh, studying and trying to figure this whole thing out and uh, what's really going on. And uh, you know, I found my way to uh, World of Prophecy, which was really, I thought, a really cool site to get involved with just to see what everybody's talking about. And, uh, you know, it's a, there was an end times thing, which, because uh, it was helping me because I'm a, I'm a very huge skeptic, always have been. And uh, the kind of cool thing is, is you know, I got a lot of discussions with people on it, and it's some of the, the, the spite, even getting kicked off a, a world of prophecy, because I challenged the, the hierarchy that was there, and I wasn't being... So kind, but no, I was just being straightforward. I was being blunt and straightforward and uh, shake them out of their religious dogma, if you want to call it that, and their, their set of beliefs instead of going, wait a minute, you know, let's keep our minds open to everything. And because, you know, at the time, before I came to the conclusion that there are 25 different end time scenario beliefs that are all, all over the world, there's so many people believe this, you got even. You know, in the Christian faith alone, now you got cults that came off of that, which is Jehovah's Witnesses, and then the Mormons, and then uh, other far out like uh, Urantia movement uses Jesus Christ for their uh, UFO movement. And there's a book out called the Urantia Book. If you want to look at it, it's pretty pretty warped, but it's, uh, it's, it's actually pretty cool. Well, here comes on Johnny in the middle of this, and I'm kind of siphoning through. Um, after they let me back on, and uh, Johnny Johnny says this thing, and I thought that was it was outlandish because I, you know I always felt Jesus was not you know he was the Lamb definitely he was the Lamb that took away the sins of the world. Yes, he came. It says not even a reed that he cr- you know uh, crushed a reed or the way you know, the way they kind of made him. When the Bible speaks about him, you'll, you'll see what I mean. If you look him up and say that. Uh, look up that. I don't know the verse right off the top of my head, but just I thought he was the toughest person that ever lived, but tougher than any man that ever lived in my life. This Jesus was. Here we go. He goes on the cross and takes all that punishment, all that. I mean, beyond what human belief to see what an execution is. You know, this this is a man that did this, took this whole beating. Uh, had to carry his, I mean, come on, there's just no human being that could have ever done that, unless, you know, Christ, only Christ could have ever done that. I don't think the toughest guy in the world, or ever, not even Samson could have done that. And so, here Johnny comes up and says, Jesus was a big, you know, big, fat, ugly, but he didn't say it like that, but that's the kind of way I looked at it. A big, fat, ugly, biker, big dude, you know, probably with tattoos and a nice Harley, you know, I was, I was loving it. And so I went, why are you giving this guy, you know, I think he's a tough guy. I don't care how he describes him, you know, um, you know maybe it is a little bit outlandish, but what was that? Sorry. That was cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to, oops, where's more on? And Johnny's been interrupting him. I don't even know what that one is. Okay. And Johnny's been interrupting ever since. <laughs> no. 
I was trying to back you up, but I had too much. Uh, I had too much going there. Sorry about that. It's all right. It's about iron chip. It's metal, dude. But anyway, um, so that that was it. And so it was great to get to know who he was. We started talking. We started debating a little bit. And uh, Johnny, you know, and I guess I would, I told you about the, you know that my my dream was to get on get in you know back into broadcasting. Uh, you know, and back into journalism too, but uh, which I kind of left because so I could play rock. But um, and uh, so it, a good relationship that we had that we started, and he goes, "Hey, let's just start doing this." And my favorite scripture was uh, is um, from you know, where the Iron Show starts. Is uh, iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Yeah, that's on our website at the bottom. Yeah, and it's uh, Proverbs point two seventeen. And it's, yeah, definitely on the website. And I came across that. And I love. I just love that verse. And I always thought about that when you you go into debates. We sharpen iron together. It's not. It's going to hurt a little bit. You know, it's going to hurt a lot. But uh, you know, throughout the years, of course, you can listen to the old stuff and you can see the immaturity to the maturity. And thank God that uh, I don't say, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Johnny, you know, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I listen to those old things. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. I have the, like a hundred times I did a face palm because I was like, oh, my God, what am I thinking? I mean, you could hear what we were talking about was, was serious, but learning how to speak and learning how to broadcast properly, it wasn't wasn't my <laughs> I, I was totally inexperienced, even though I went took a couple of classes on it. But yeah, this is good. This was good training. To actually learn how to speak and learn actually to think and, and not worry about what you're going to say, just say it. But the Iron Show is hey, Tony. The Iron Johnny? Show. Tony Blink. Yeah. Johnny? Hey, you've got turn down your turn down your speakers a little. We got slapping. We are slapping. Can I ask you something? Yeah, baby. What's up? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! felt so nice when you said that to me. Could you say it again? I wanted Rick and Blinky to say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three... Oh yeah, baby. Okay, we're, we're, there goes the background music. I I took my finger off the button. We got a lot of background noise coming in from Rick White. I don't know what's kind of. Oh, I I yeah, Rick. We lost Rick totally. No, I'm right here. You better choke up on that mic, Rick. Man, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Oh. I'm trying to figure out how to adjust this thing right so it won't get so much. That's back. that's pretty good. Hey, let's talk to Blinky D for a minute. He, uh, um, Blinky D was listening. He, um, you know, I, I I begged and pleaded to have this uh, to, on Thursday nights. This isn't Thursday; it's Monday because it's Iron Show's seventh anniversary session, eight twenty nine oh nine to eight twenty nine sixteen. But Blinky D was listening uh, because uh, I begged. Uh, Producer Rick to come on after uh, L.A. Marzulli, and uh, so uh, 
Blinky was listening to L.A. Marzulli, and then the Iron Show came on, and he was like, whoa, he liked the Iron Show. He liked it. So, uh... So Blinky got a hold of me. He's like, "Yo, yo, yo! Can you, yo, 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 yo Can you play my play my rap music on the Iron Show?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> I didn't even know who he was. I do not like rap music. It's just like I do not like rap music. But um, I wonder if I have. I wonder if I have victory here. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna find it because um, like victory is like my favorite song like one one of my favorite songs in the whole world and uh it's just like uh it's just like uh it's it's so good well Um, i found you like way in the beginning of my walk like i mean it was literally probably right after i became a christian and at that time i had the opportunity to listen to like an mp3 player while i was at work so i was just going through in like the whole world of prophecy and all that Really, really, you know, amazed me, and I always wonder, especially with, like with L.A. Marzulli about the aliens, and and you'd watch, I'd watch the ancient aliens, and what they said kind of made sense, but I, I guess just my whole life, I always looked at it through a Christian belief, even though I wasn't like raised in the church, and I wasn't really around none of it. Like you know, when I was a kid, the only time we go to church is Catholic festivals, and Around here, that's just usually a big beer fest, but, you know, it's neither here or there, but... So that's about all I knew about church, and to, to start listening, like, L.A. Marzulli, and then I found you, and then, you know, all the other prophecy people, and this and that, and you, and Matthew Miller, and them really, you know, kind of... I didn't have a time to, to really study, but listening to you guys at work was kind of like my study time, I would have to say. Really? Yeah. Man, that's cool, dude. It's cool that, like, you know, like, people don't, like, read their Bible, but if they can find some kind of, you know, discussion about it, you know, and study about it, and they get some Bible in their ear, that's just awesome. That's, like, why we're here. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and for people to get saved. I mean, in the beginning, me and Rick were doing the reach outs, you know. Are you in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls? Do you want to, do you want to know Jesus? <laughs> Are you, are you gay? Are you gay? Are you like a radical butt session or something? You want to? Oh to <laughs> we would do radical reach outs, you know, to the really radical people out there, you know. And this one guy, I was in, um, I was in a conference in Indiana, in your state, Blinky. Yeah, oh, I was pretty close to you. Well, yeah, you're, you're yeah, I didn't know you then. Yeah, you're, you're quite a ways from Fort Wayne, but. Probably, but. yeah, about hour and a half, two hours, I think. Yeah, but um, yeah, but I was there, and uh, uh, this guy came up to me, and a uh, young black man came up to me, <laughs> and he's like, "Dude, are you are you Johnny from the Iron Show?" I go, "Yeah, what's up?" He goes, "Whoa!" He goes, "Dude, dude, I got I got saved listening to the Iron Show." I go, "Are you serious?" He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, man, you guys led me to Jesus." I'm like, "Really?" I was like, right then, I was like, "Hey, this is why." We do it. I finally found somebody that we'd actually reach. So, um, anyway, he said, he goes, yeah, I, I downloaded your show. I wasn't a Christian, but I, I was interested in all the fringe stuff and, like, the prophecy stuff. He goes, well, I was listening to your show, and I was about to turn it off. I was waiting tables. He was a waiter. He goes, I was about to turn it off, and, and then you said, hey, Rick, what, what if I'm in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls, but I want to be a Christian? What do I do? He goes, I, he goes, I was hooked, man. I was hooked. 
<laughs> he said he dropped his water. He was carrying water. He laughed so hard he dropped his water tray. And, and uh, yeah, he goes, I was hooked then, man. I was like totally Iron Show dedicated listener back then. And, you know, I thought maybe that was pushing it too far. But here, look what happens when you push it too far sometimes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, because I, a lot of people think that you have to be like perfect before you meet Jesus. And you go to show that even after you meet Jesus, you won't be perfect. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, I mean, um, uh, I saw J. Vernon McGee, I saw J. Vernon McGee, let him, I uh, met him in 1986, shook his hand, signed my Bible, and he did a, a, a little speech, it was, there was only about 15 of us, because it was an ice storm, so we sat around in a circle with Dr. J. Vernon McGee, and he did a speech on uh, Philippians 1, 1 through 6, having confidence, St. Paul said, having confidence in this very thing. That he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that was his life verse. I mean, yeah, we're going to be messed up. Even if we're saved, we're going to have to. He's going to form us. He's going to keep performing that work in us. And we're on that path, baby. We're on that righteous path, baby. It's. I'm sorry. You know, Every time you've told me that story, the one thing I've always thought is, it's got to be weird to autograph Bibles. <laughs> it's like... I don't know. It yeah. always, always, it would just seem weird if somebody came up to me and was like, "He autographed my Bible." I'd be like, "Man, I don't know if I." Yeah, I, I think he was. Jay Vernon McGee was so famous, and he had been so famous for so long. I'm sure he, he got was used probably to just it. used to it. But yeah. it would just be weird if somebody would walk up to me and be like, "Hey, would you sign my Bible?" I'd be like, "Um." Everybody walked up and wanted yes. him to. Sign. I'm all, sure they did. 15, I'm sure they did. Yeah, all fifteen of us walked up. I shook his hand. He had big old farm hands, you know. It's like big old hard grip. He was old. God, he was old. He looked like Colonel Sanders at 110. And uh, yeah, I said I had long hair down to my, you know, down to my elbows. That was back when I had a lot of hair. And uh, I go, oh, Doctor McGee, I'm such a big uh, fan. I've been listening to you for a long time. And he looks at me and he looks at my hair and he's like, Yeah, right. Like you know, because he preached against <laughs> long hair. <laughs> and uh, I, I, he shook my hand anyway. I go, Will you sign my Bible? He goes, Yeah. And he wrote in uh, Philippians one. One through six, J. Vernon McGee. And that's having confidence in this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, um, uh, Rick and Mike, uh, Mike Tobin, are you there? I think he's sort of there. I see him. Rick, are you there? Yep. Okay, I'm going to play, I'm gonna, I don't know if you heard this or not, but this is like my favorite song, one of my favorite songs. I mean, it's not my absolute favorite song, but one of my favorite songs in the whole world. I play it in the morning to get me going. I don't like rap. I never liked rap, but I like this boy Blinky D. Listen to this song, Victory. Everybody be quiet and listen to Victory. For the Lord, your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. Step voice that you hear when that bush is on fire. 
loud everything's bouncing back mike tobin's got his speakers too loud too there we go like this there you go well to be able to hear you what do you think isn't that, isn't that an awesome song yeah it's a good song i love it yeah it's like we do some uh, the band i played in uh, in the mid 777 we, we have a dj that uh you know plays with us uh he has his whole setup with us and then we have a song called fight and uh Stand, stand, fight for you. And then we we, uh, we have a, usually always live, we invite a rapper to rap over it while we're doing that song. It's a really cool, repetitious song, but it's really, uh, it's kind of, you know, what reminds me of that. It's just that what we do with that and all the rappers that come up, it's, it's awesome. We, we, we allow that to happen. So, uh, because. That would be cool to see. Yeah, it, it is cool, man. You know, say if you came to a show, I'd probably go, get up here to rap, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and freestyle it, you know. That would be very yeah, cool. So we do that, and that's what it reminds me of. It's like uh, my, my friend uh, DJ Drew. He's from a uh, actually from a band called Manifest, and uh, it does it with them now. He's starting to do it with us, and he's going to be in some of our photos because we we kind of uh, adopted him to be part of the band. Because <laughs> I love uh, standing next to him because he's doing all his stuff. While we're playing our heavy stuff, and you hear like you know, he'll, he'll put some do some uh, good scratches and good uh, good effects right there, and especially like he'll he does this one that says read your Bible, read your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. So yeah, you know, 
I think Christian raps the best. I think that's where it belongs. I don't think it belongs in the world as it, everybody can, you know, because they're just telling everybody a message that, you know, it's a terrible message. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, uh, Rapid, man, it's like some of the... I don't know, there's this heavy metal band called Infant Annihilator. Have you heard them? Mm-hmm. They're, they have a pretty wicked message, too. A pretty... They're pretty bad. I don't know if you've seen their video. They're like butting each other and stuff. It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> I can't say I've seen that one. They're in the uh, floor. Yeah, these get my my, my loser skateboard friends uh, going. Hey, man, you got to check out this video, man. And then like, is Infinite Annihilator off? Awesome drummer, uh, Alex Kitcher. He's like the best drummer in the known universe. That's why the only reason I like them a little bit is because that drummer. He's just. He's just like Superman, you know, unbelievable. But yeah, they got this video and they're like in the forest butting each other. It's really sick, man. Those guys are wicked. <laughs> hey, I want to, you know, um, Blinky D, another song that he did, my second favorite song that he ever did. Um, he talks about how society, <coughs> society, like wants you to live one way, but um, Jesus is like the real answer. And he talks about leaving society, you know, and just following Jesus and how it's such an opposite. Listen to this song. It's really cool. It's called Society. And Blinky D, he's got a lot of different voices. This is all Blinky. It sounds like two different guys, but it's all Blinky. Oh, yeah. Listen up. Lord, you know me better than anyone does. The way that they call me Dustin T, Blinky D, or even cuz. You know what's on my mind. You know what's on my heart. You know everything from the very, very start. You sent us your son to bring us salvation. Appreciate everyone to all of the nations of how to live and how to act. Every word is true. It has to be a fact that you are the way, the path to follow. I understand for some it is hard to swallow that there is a God. He's bigger than us. He brought us from the earth raises from the dust to worship him to bring him pleasure to serve him every day not at all leisure he's such a gift he gave us his grace he knows all of us recognizes every face society and everything that it is so everything it was before what was his is dead to me it's buried and gone that's why I put even every word of my song Society and everything that it is Oh, everything it was before I was here It's dead to me, it's buried and gone That's why I put him and every word of my song Take me, Lord, and mold me into your likeness Cause for so many years I know that I've been fighting this Pretending to be deaf, acting like I'm blind Writing false truths, no reason for my rhymes Just writing these lines, making this sound good Trying to make money, keep it built for the hood But it's all fake, trying to be so real Lost in myself, I know it was the deal of everything falling apart, everybody says I'm cool The smarter that I got, the more I was a fool Society tells me this is the way I need to act That they know best, just believe it as a fact If I lose self-control, then that means that I'm growing Don't think before I act, just keep free-flowing I'm in control of everything I do Unless it goes wrong, then I'm supposed to blame you Society and everything that it is, so everything it was before what was here is it's dead to 
me, it's everything gone. That's why I was giving every word of my song. Society and everything that it is. So everything it was before I was here is dead to me. It's everything gone. That's why I put him in every word of my song. But Jesus came to save us all. You better listen up. You better heed the call. Cause once he came, now he's only coming once. You don't want to be left behind looking like a dunce. You want to be where you're caught up in the sky. So you can be with him learning how to fly. You want him to be able to call you a saint. He don't want to hear how you thought he came. Saved the soul of every person alive before the body will fail, but the soul survives, and that's the fact that you have to be living with. That he brings salvation is one of his many gifts that he gives to you. Really, your charge. It may sound small, but it's really so large. Accept his gift, repent of your sins, and start doing Jesus instead of the trends. Society and everything that it is, so everything it was before what was here is dead to me. It's buried and gone. That's why I put him in every word of my song Society and everything that it is So everything it was before what was his It's dead to me, it's buried and gone That's why I put him in every word of my song Oh yeah boy man, give it up for my boy Blinky D Yeah boy Yeah boy That's my boy I just want everybody to know that it wasn't a prerequisite for Johnny to play my song for me to come on the show. He's doing that himself. So all you non-rap fans, just know Johnny approves of it. <laughs> yeah, man, I love those two songs. Hey, I approve of it too, man. Rick likes it too. Oh, yeah. That, yeah there's, there was a rap band I liked back in the day, which I don't, you know, like all the, like I said, the gangster rap, all the other rap, I think it's nonsense. I can't stand it. But there's there's rap people, you know, of course, you know, Rage Against the Machine and P.O.D. that has that rap flavor, right? Mm-hmm. There is also, uh, there was a band, we have to look them up, they're old school, like back in the early 90s. They were called the Hard Corpse, like C-O-R, you know, core, hardcore, but Hard Corpse. And mm-hmm. there's three, uh, three guys with a band backing them, and they were heavy. Kind of like, a, also like Ice-T and Body Count. You remember them? Cool, that's cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, we got we got rap that way. You know? I just like that whole thing on that one that last song about how society and everything that it is, or everything that was before I was his. It's dead. Mm-hmm. It's dead to me. It's buried and gone. That's why I put him in every word of my song. Man, that's it, man. That's right there. That's it, baby. Mm-hmm. That's it, man. <laughs> is, is society like dead to us, guys? Mm. Yeah, it is actually. Yep. They're already. I know. Hey, they're, they're already the zombies, man. They're the zo- That's the yeah. you know. Hey, but like I said, remember it said uh, what John uh, three verse eighteen. Yeah, three verse eighteen. He who believes in the Son is not condemned, but he who does not believe in the Son is condemned, condemned already. already. So. Yeah, babe. Yeah, the world is dead. The world is. You can tell. Look at all the things that are going on. Look at the presidential race. Look, look at how far we came in eight years, and how quickly we have like gone downhill. Is like uh, everything. The destruction of America ha- could happen so quick. You know who? No. Oh, you got Rabbi Micah interrupting you. Yeah. Another thing Jesus said like that was, "Let the dead bury their dead." Right? He's talking about society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
we were playing Blinky. Hey, what about me? Does anybody hear me? Yes, Michael Tobin, finally. Oh, cool. This is there. my mic check. I can oh, hear you on my computer speaker, what? but not my uh, other my regular speakers. But yeah, that's... make make sure that computer speaker hey, is low, doing? or I'll get slapped back. I'll get echo. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? How you doing, hey, you Mike Tobin? How you yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I, I could uh, hear you guys on my monitor speaker, but not my speakers that I could turn up and down. But I, I'll deal with that later. Welcome to the Iron Show, Mike. Let's have a cup of coffee. You'll know hey, I like cream and sugar. What's up? Oh, yeah, Mike Tobin. Now, Mike Tobin, he was one of the original guys on the Iron Show. He did the Nazi preacher with us. And I was amazed at his uh, knowledge of uh, really the formation of America and all this history. Him and Rick were just going back and forth on all this radical history. And they, they talked about how the church was forming and the colonies. And it, what the, this um, Nazi preacher guy was saying all these, you know, all this BS, really. And, and Mike and uh, Rick were correcting it. All the way through. Uh, the Nazi preacher is this guy. He's a uh, he's like a, a Aryan nation kind of a, a hater, you know, a Nazi uh, uh, Christian Christian identity. And uh, we played. Uh, I talked to him on another show on, on uh, oh the old black man. I, I can't say his name. Uh, uh, Minister Ken. Yeah, Minister Ken. Minister Ken. He's like one of the originals too on the Iron Show. But, uh, yeah, and we had this, me and had this long talk. I had a talk with the Nazi preacher. And if you listen to the Nazi preacher, it's at ironshow.com. Uh, it's Iron Show 24, the Nazi preacher. I play, um, we, I play this conversation that I had with this Nazi preacher, and Rick and Mike do commentary on it. It's so cool. <laughs> like the guy would say something, and, and, and Mike Tobin would yell out, unclean, and I'd stop the tape. And then <laughs> gather stones. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Mike Tobin would correct, you know, the guy, say, hey, that's not true. It's like it happened like this. That's guy that's crazy. And that whole thing, the whole Nazi preacher show, Iron Show twenty four at Ironshow.com. Uh, that is uh that's really cool. It's just you learn so much from Mike Tobin and Rick hey, White. Uh, also, uh, Mike Tobin wrote a book. It's on on Kindle right now. Mike, we want to talk about it. I know. Oh yeah, I, I could say a couple things. It's it's uh it's it's called Making America Righteous Again from Bitterness to a Delight, and uh, it's got nothing to do with with uh, Trump's you know motto, but it's a play on words because of that. But M A R A, it's a Bible word. It's Mara. It means bitter waters. And it's only mentioned twice. Once with Moses when when they they came upon the water that was bitter and they called it Mara. And then another was with Naomi. And when she returned home after the famine, they called her Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi. God has dealt bitterly with me. And uh, yeah. But she didn't end up taking on that name. But each chapter, it deals with uh, making America righteous again. It starts with one person. Starts with me, and uh, each chapter is pretty interesting. It draws on uh, experience and just a lot of things that's been stuck in my head ever since about twenty five years ago when I started getting. I got into the Lord again, um, but it's on Amazon. Just look up Michael D. Tobin, and you'll you'll see it on Kindle. 
Thanks wow. for mentioning That's, that, Richard. Yeah, and you've got Mike Tobin is a new member of the Fringe Radio Network. We haven't quite set him up yet, but um, pretty real quick here in a few days, like at least by this weekend, it's going to be the Michael Tobin Show on the Fringe Radio Network. So we've got a new show here. We've I can't new- wait. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! We've got we've got yeah! we've got our dear friend Rabbi Mike. Oh, Rabbi Mike. Rabboni. Rabboni Yabuga. You must call him by his most holy name, or he will not bless your sorry Shabbat. (laughs) (laughs) And you must say it in the most holy manner, Rabboni Yabuga. Give me, Lord. The trilling R is really essential to uh, pronouncing it right. Yes. <laughs> yes, you have to. You have to have Johnny's microphone, really, or you won't get the full blessing. <laughs> Shalom, Johnny. Congratulations on seven years. Is it seven years? This is our seventh anniversary. Yeah, Iron Show uh, One uh, broadcasted uh, on a summer evening on this day. In 2009 was the first Iron Show. So we are entering into our eighth year of Iron Show history here. And seven years, I heard seven years is kind of a number of completion. Is, uh, you could speak on yep. that, probably, <laughs> right? Uh, or not. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> seven years, seven years is... No, yeah, it, we were joking uh, Thursday about, uh, you know, there were seven years of plenty before the seven years of uh, uh, famine. Uh, in, uh, in the time of Joseph. And uh, there's always, there's been a... Uh, I've got Catholic friends who point out there's a long-standing Catholic tradition that before the seven years of uh, tribulation, there would be uh, uh, seven years of plenty as well. So we've got we've had seven years of the Iron Show. That's obviously the years of plenty, right? So, well, yeah, no, no. It's listen, downhill from here, downhill from here, baby. Yeah, no, it's it can't be. I mean, because you you switch, you reversed it, and that's really what my life has been. It's just just tribulation, just heavy. It's amazing that I'm still here because you know I lost everything, and I just man, I've just kept doing the show. Somehow, the Holy Spirit or somebody, God or Jesus, has uh, made me able to do it, even though my life is completely been torn apart you know so i'm hoping we're going for the seven years of plenty is it possible that's what i've been thinking the last seven years was uh the famine actually so i'm i'm behind the times but i guess i should celebrate because i lost my job last thanksgiving season so (laughs) yeah that's hooray that's like one of the worst things that can happen to a guy that's i know the worst time oh yeah yeah um yeah, we started. But I, I've, I've been paying the bills with odd jobs and stuff like that. But you know, I've been there. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, here in Oregon, since weed became legal, there's jobs everywhere. Anybody who's like not <laughs> smoking weed can get any job. It's I predicted that would happen, and it did. There's like help wanted signs everywhere because somebody they want somebody who's not stoned. So I know, huh? We're in high demand. Dude, Take my blood, <laughs> dude. It's Take like I can, It's like go ahead, fire me. I can get a job anywhere. Yeah, you know, up here. You move to Oregon. There's lots of jobs. And Just, we know cursive language. Curse. I mean, cursive writing too. Yes, I can. And I can speak um, Christianese. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm prepared to move to a place that's worse 
uh, heat waves in Georgia. So. Yeah, we don't get we get them in the summer, just like three or four days, you know, usually. But this summer's been really brutal. We've had about four or five heat waves over a hundred. So it's it's not that bad, though. I mean, you know, you get used to it. But uh, yeah, so Rabbi Mike. Uh, He's got a lot of history with the Iron Show. I've known him at least five years. He was first on a spinoff show, a guest on a spinoff show called Armed with Iron. And uh, he was the guest there. And uh, if you, uh, I still have those files. I'll make them available in the show notes. But, uh, yeah, Rabbi Mike and me go way back. That's why it's a real privilege and an honor to be here with Rabbi Mike tonight. Um, you people ask, what is a Baptocostal Catholic doing with a messianic rabbi i mean what what's that about you know i'm like a once saved always saved back to coastal catholic here i've got a uh, torah uh, thumping rabbi <laughs> i don't thump at anybody <laughs> i know i know i uh, no, no 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 torah schools are much too big to properly thump somebody with you know they're big they're delicate and you know other rabbis really frown when you use them as blunt instruments so that hurts. <laughs> I, I just use the regular old Bible to hit people with, like anyone else. So, <laughs> did you ever see that video of the old lady get out of her car and beat that guy with her Bible? That is so funny. <laughs> no, I haven't, but now I want to look it up. <laughs> That's so funny. She's got this Bible; it's huge. And uh, yeah, she gets out of the car. So there's a conflict, and she just grabs. I mean, this Bible's huge. I'm talking about like almost two feet across and like six <laughs> inches thick or something. She just starts beating this guy over the head with his Bible, and he's you know, yell and scream, stop, stop. Anyway. <laughs> two but, feet across. What, did she get caught with an intern or something? Because last time I saw someone hauling around a two-foot across Bible was Bill Clinton in the middle of the Lewinsky scandal, his Bible getting bigger and bigger and bigger every week as he went suddenly discovered a need for church. <laughs> <So>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But people, you know, they I'm ask- sure there's a joke in there somewhere. I should probably just yeah, I can't, not say. I can't quite... I, I did not have sex with that woman. Stop things getting bigger and bigger and bigger. We'll just leave it alone. Hey, it's all about how you parse it. You're talking about what he actually said was, I did not have sex with that woman, Monica Lewinsky. He wasn't saying he didn't have sex with Monica Lewinsky. He was telling Monica Lewinsky, no, seriously, babe, I never had sex with Hillary. Honest, it's just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I guess that doesn't really count as sex. Uh, I mean, it's sort of half sex or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I've always tried to evaluate that, and I just can't quite, you know, put, you know, get a grip on it. <laughs> there's another. There's another one, Blinky. It's getting bigger and bigger, and I just can't get a grip on it. You know the the, 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 the Johnny has has managed to offend a lot of people just by being Johnny, joking around and stuff. And I just wanted to um, make an apology right now for if I've offended you. I'm sorry, you know, to everybody that I've offended. I didn't mean to, but I want to make an announcement that the Iron Show is going to get more offensive. So if it bothered you before, it's really going to bother you now. The best defense is a good offense, right? Oh, yeah. That's why I can't wait for me to get my show going because yeah. I, I got to get busy. Yeah. Offending. You need to start playing a disclaimer in front of your show like, warning, we are not responsible for those that get 
offended or something. In exactly. So, oh, I've created the I've created the Iron Show warning. Let me pull it up here real quick. It's Rabbi uh, Mike. I keep, I keep trying to practice it until I can just rattle off all off in one breath the way they do in commercials when they're telling you all the bad things about their products. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, At the bottom, yeah, record it and then speed it up a little bit and play it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Okay, Rabbi Mike is going to uh, do the Iron Show warning here. Yeah, hang on, I'm finding it. <laughs> oh, he's looking for it. He's looking for it. Danger, danger. I brought Rabbi Mike oh, on initially because the Hebrew Roots movement, I had been studying it five years ago. I had been studying it for five years, so ten years I've been studying Hebrew Roots. And I, I wanted Rabbi Mike on to explain the difference between, you know, Messianic Judaism, uh, Rabbi, you know, Messianic, uh, yeah, Christian you know, Christianity, Messianic Christianity, and uh, Hebrew roots are completely different. People confuse them. I wanted to bring, you know, got all these Hebrew roots guys that think they're real, you know, Hebrews. I wanted to bring an actual rabbi on to address a lot of the issues that these guys are, you know, spewing. So uh, that's initially why I brought Rabbi Mike on. But Rabbi Mike is like the most awesome, uh, you know, partner doing Iron Show Live because he, like, knows everything. You know, this is like... There's like nothing you can bring up that he can't speak about, you know, and speak well, you know. So it's an honor to have uh, this partnership with Rabbi Mike. And M- Richard White is the same thing. Johnny, I mean, are you telling everyone that I'm a know-it-all? Um, well, you really are, but you're not like, you're not like, uh, you're not like, you know, arrogant about it. You just happen to know everything. <laughs> Uh, I found the warning, by the way. Okay, good. good. Uh, the least, Iron Show warning. I've, this is tricky because I've got to try to do this all in one breath or maybe two, and I've not yet managed to get it down pat. Let's see if we can get the official Iron Show warning going here. All right. Warning. The Iron Show is not recommended for listeners who like their Bible teaching quiet and inoffensive. Side effects of listening to the Iron Show include conviction, repentance, obsession with ancient texts, a desire to learn Hebrew, loss of sleep for those on the East Coast, reverence, irreverence, being on the fringe, wearing fringes, rocking out, irritating your pastor with weird questions, loving sinners, hating sins, tipping bitters, sharing the gospel, philo-Semitism, a craving for matzahs, the sudden desire to make a pilgrimage to Israel, believe in the Yeshua the Messiah, being born again, receiving the Holy Spirit, and a changed life. Women who may be pregnant should not listen to the Iron Show unless they want their sons to have hair on their chests. If you experience sudden bleeding from the ears, turn down the volume and consult your doctor after you finish listening to the show. All right! All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I the hair on the chest part. Oh, yeah! Right. Oh, yeah, baby! <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. That's so great. That is so awesome, dude. I've been practicing rattling that off for a week just for tonight's show. <laughs> oh, that is awesome, dude. That is so cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Rabbi Mike and I, um, I uh, when we first started, he um, explained, you know, what it's like to be a Messianic Christian. and uh, But then we kept on going and doing shows about just about everything. I mean, because Rabbi Mike, he knows all. Of, he knows a lot. He's had a lot of experience with the Black Awakening, with uh, people being possessed and people being um, uh, like government experiments, like MK Ultra, and them uh, uh, being uh, given an alternate personality where they, that they can split into with a keyword, you know. And um, oh, it's just one that would make life easy. It's when they've got you know sixty that you start to lose track of who you're talking to. Oh wow! You know yeah. we. In the beginning, in the beginning here, um, I I don't want to inter- interrupt you, but we have all, we have always had um, 
uh, Pastor Tadapudi Simon Peter. Past, let me say it again. Pastor Tadapudi Simon Peter in India. We've always had his picture on the front page of the Iron Show from the, like the very beginning. He is a, uh, he's a preacher, uh, an evangelist that goes through the jungles of southern India preaching to the, um, idol worshiping natives that have never heard the word of Jesus. And he also has a ministry to orphans, he has a ministry to lepers, and he has just a main ministry, like a church, a general church. Uh, so, we're going to try to bring him on, and I don't know, last time we had no luck, but um, I'm going to try to bring him on, I'm going to add him to the group call, so it could be really, really weird. There he is, Pastor Todd Pudi Simon Peter, you can see his picture, and I don't know if he's going to uh, be able to talk with us, he is in southern India. So the connection might be pretty sketchy over how far is southern India from us? Like 10,000 miles or something <laughs> from The me? other side of the planet, yeah. Yeah, it's uh Well, I guess it depends if you think the planet's flat or not, but I'm sure that's... It is not. Hey, we have Pastor Todd... For another conversation. We, looks like we have Pastor Todd Pudi Simon Peter. Are you there? A lot of background noise. Pastor, are you there? Pastor Simon Peter, are you there? Hello, brother. Hey, all right, we've got you. <laughs> How uh, are you? Fine, we're doing good. This is our Iron Show seventh anniversary. We're, we're talking about you. Yes, brother, I'm really glad to talk to you. It's good to finally talk to you. I've never actually talked to you over Skype. We could never get a connection. You've got a lot of background noise. Uh, I don't know if you could maybe move somewhere, but yeah, I can hear a lot of like water running or wind or something like that. But how are you, oh, Pastor? Yes, I am very fine. Um, you have a need. I mean, there's a. We've always uh, told the listeners that if they want to help, if they want to help uh, the lepers and the orphans and uh, ministry to the. Uh, in the jungle. Got a lot of background noise. So you got some orphans there with you, sounds like. Yes, brother. We are in many needs. Orphans, widows, lepers, handicapped, and blind children are there in our ministries. But no sufficient Oh, I think yep. Did we lose him? Yep, I think we lost yep. him. I know he needs help. So if you ever thought about... There you go. Oh, you're... And we are watching and praying for good parts. Yes, brother, by the grace of God, through your prayers, we are running our ministry. We are facing so many problems due to lack of support. And we are very grateful to... Some brethren, that they are sending some small support. And presently, we must need a gospel vehicle to spread the gospel to all and everywhere in India. So that we are watching and praying for God's provision to purchase a gospel van. Gospel vehicle. So I request you all, please pray and join with us 
to save the perishing souls, millions of perishing souls in India. And we must need your mantri's support to maintain our ministry with orphans, lepers, widows, handicapped and blind children. We beseech you, dear brethren, kindly pray and help us as Lord leads you. God bless you, your families and your ministries. May God bless you abundantly in return. Amen. 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 Now, can Amen. You, amen. Amen, Blinky. Amen, Mike, Michael Bug. Amen, Mike Tobin. Amen, Richard White. Um, could you tell us about your ministry? What do you, What are the different ministries that you do in the jungles of India? Could you tell us about different ministries that you do? I know you take care of orphans. I know you pray with lepers. Could you tell us about that? Um, we have, yeah. Yes. Okay, dear brethren, in India, orphans are facing so many problems. They lost their parents due to some natural calamities and some evil incidents. So, many children became orphans. They are eating through the begging and sleep at the food paths of India. So, we gathered some orphans and feeding them. But due to lack of sufficient support, they are starving. And lepers also praying for support. And handicapped and blind children also crying and praying for your kind and affectionate and generous support. Yes. And, and so many people in India even did not have the name of Jesus Christ even once in their lives. So, we are trying to reach them with good news of gospel of Jesus Christ and meet them with some tracts and meet them with good news of Jesus Christ. So, many people are hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ and His sacrifice and some people are accepting accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord and they are ready to baptize. So please pray for us and our soul winning ministry. Yes, now you do uh, ministries to the orphans. You take care you take care of orphans, right? Yes, yes, brother. Do you see how many orphans? How many orphans do you have right now? Twenty-five orphans are there in our ministry right now. You can hear them talking. Yes. You could go to and also do you, you have you have lepers that you pray for. You pray for lepers, right? Yes, fifty lepers are there in our ministries. Did you say fifty lepers? Ah, yes, my brother. Wow. And you also go into the jungle, right? Could you tell us about that with the idol worshipping? Yes, many people here in India worshipping to the stones and animals like elephants, tigers and snakes and big trees and big stones. They are worshipping them as they think 
They are gods. And they have never heard of Jesus, right? Yes, yes, yes. They heard even the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. So we are decided. So we are decided to go to that place and to meet that people with the good news of Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, it's pretty easy to help you out, right? I mean, all you have to do is go to amenindia.org and click the donate button, and it will show. What it will do is show you the email address for PayPal that you can send your money to. And okay, a, thanks, thanks a lot, my yes, brother. Yes, anybody listening can help uh, Pastor Tadapudi Simon Peter um, by going to amenindia.org. Let me tell you one more time. Write it down. Memorize it. Amenindia.org. I'm going to say it another time to pound it into your head. That's amenindia.org. And you can go there. You click the donate button. And if, you know, if they, if you, if like all our listeners sent you 10 bucks, that would really, that would be a lot of money for you. So, okay, thank you, thanks a lot. If the Lord puts it on, to the listeners, if the Lord puts this on your heart and you want to give some bucks, some money to uh, the orphans and the lepers and the jungle, uh, the idol worshiping heathens in the jungle, uh, please donate. You know, even if it's small, even if you like give them five bucks, ten bucks, you know, we got a lot of listeners. If you guys all did that, you would like set him up for a few months. So uh, I know you need a. You're looking for a vehicle now to go into the jungle, right? To do your ministry in the jungle. Ah yes, my brother. We are facing lot of problems while we are going to jungles for the gospel. We are facing so many dangerous things. From the cruel animals and poisonous snakes. However, by the grace of God, we are going forward to meet the people with good news of gospel. Yes, and and the most important thing to me is um, you're taking care of little kids. You know, there's a lot. There's he's, ah. he's got you've got 25 orphans that need food, right? Yeah, yes. Now, um, and you have lepers, you have 50 lepers that you pray with and minister to, and they would die without you. And the orphans, they would starve to death without you, wouldn't they? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, please, please. So, all you have to do is go to amenindia.org. <laughs> That's amenindia.org. And if you click the donate button, there's one on the top and there's one on the menu on the side, lower uh, lower down on the front page. And you will get Pastor Tadapuri's email address, and that's Full Gospel. I mean, I have to look at it, I have to look at it right here. That would be Full Gospel Independent Church at gmail.com. That's Full Gospel. Full Gospel Independent Church at gmail.com. That's Full Gospel em- Full Gospel Independent Church at gmail- gmail.com. Oh man, that's hard to say all in one. But anyway, if you go to amenindia.org, 
uh, you will see his PayPal uh, email address, and it's very easy to send him a few bucks. Send him five bucks. Send him ten bucks. Send him twenty bucks. I mean, that's if the Lord puts it on your heart. I mean, please help uh, Pastor Simon, Simon Peter. He's uh, he really needs your help. Uh, Mike, Rabbi Mike, what do you think? Well, I mean, hit this a couple of different ways here. Um, India is smack in the middle of what in uh, missionary circles is known as the 1040 corridor, which is basically from 10 degrees to 40 degrees north latitude. Um, And that is the area that is the most in need of the gospel. It's also the area that a lot, almost all of the pagan religions um, got their uh, start in. And these are like where the major strongholds remain. Um, and India and the countries right around it are some of the hardest strongholds to crack open. Now, how many of you out there like to talk about, uh, you know, you look forward to the second coming for those of you who are, um, into, uh, for those who are pre-trib, you're looking, you're looking for the rapture, for the rest of us who are looking for the second coming and so forth. And do you realize that God has put the timing of it to a certain extent in our hands. That's not to say that you know we can make it happen instantaneously, but it does but he has made part of the task ours to complete. And here's what I'm talking about. In Matthew uh, 24 verse uh, 14, right before the famous abomination of desolation passage, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, the word nations there is not, it does not just mean, you know, the ones that are drawn on a globe. The word there in Greek is ethnos, or ethnoi. Guess what we get in the word we get from ethnoi, ethnic. It's not enough that one, you know, as long as you get to one person in each, you know, uh, nation that's recognized by the United Nations on the globe. This is uh, talking about every ethnic group. How do I know? Because Revelation 7, God wants people of every tribe and tongue and people and nation in front of him. So it's not just about recognized nations, it's about reaching all those ethnic groups. And India is a place with a billion people. And you just heard, uh, you know, a lot of them have never heard the name of Jesus. So, for those of you who are talking about, you know, how you're looking forward to the second coming, you're looking forward to, you know, God making history straight and so forth, if you are not supporting some missionary effort somewhere, you're lying to yourself. Because you have it in your power to hasten the day of his coming. And some of you may have the calling to go out there, but even if you don't, you have a calling to support those who are on the front lines. Simon Peter Tadapuri is uh, on yes, the yes. front lines. All right, And I bet that he could tell us about the interference he gets from the you know demons that are worshipped in India. He could tell you about you know the quote-unquote coincidences. So for those of you who, you know, truly love the Lord and want to see the gospel spread, hey, this is something for you to support. This is a man for you to pray for. 
And India is a play is a field that is ripe for harvest, and the workers are very, very few. And your dollars will go a heck of a lot farther in India than they will here. So please uh, get over to the website and set yourself up not just for one time, you know, uh, donation. Set yourself up for a recurring donation. Give a little every month. It doesn't have to be that much. Again, if everyone in the Iron Show will just, you know, put in ten bucks a month, I'm sure you can get away with not eating fast food once uh, once a month. Yeah, that's not even the price of a pizza here. And it will go so far to feeding those orphans and to spreading the gospel in India. Hey, you guys, I, I, I just put the link on the interactive message board on the right side of the window, too. Yes, um, I'm in I don't India. know if people can see it. Well, I saw below in your chat notes, I see I'm in India uh, accepts PayPal. Oh, cool. Amenindia.org. It's not .com. It's Amenindia.org because they are a non-profit. Obviously, Simon Peter is a Christian minister, and he's trying to spread the gospel and feed the poor, feed the orphans, pray with the lepers. I mean, this is a guy who's really out there on the front lines. He's like one of those real Christians that you read about. (laughs) It is an honor to know you. Pastor Simon Peter. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, I say we go ahead and pray for him while he's with us. Please do, please do. Okay. Avinu Machenu, our Father, our King. Father, we lift up Simon Peter Tadapodi. Amen. We raise up his ministry to you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, indeed the workers are few. But you will draw the workers he needs. You will draw the resources he needs. Because you own the cattle on a thousand hills. Because all the world's wealth is yours. And you will give us exactly what we need to finish the task. But Father, right now I am praying that you move in the hearts of this audience. Not because you need our participation to bring some in the... uh, resources he needs, but so that everyone on this show can have that to their credit. When the world to come emerges, when our Messiah, our Savior appears on the horizon, I want the show to be able to go out and shake the hands of those that Simon is going to bring your word to. You've told us, Father, to look forward to the day of our Messiah's coming and to hasten it. So, Father, we pray that we will take part in hastening it. And we pray, Father, that you will be with Simon Peter Tatapodi, and that you will fill him with your spirit, and you will surround him with your angels, and you will beat back all the forces of darkness that are standing against him and his people, that you will protect all his little ones, when the adversary goes to strike back, pray, Father, that he will see your power, that he will walk in the power and grace of your spirit, and that through him, many thousands, many thousands, many millions come to know the name of Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and say, Amen. 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 Amen.
Thanks to you all, brother uh, Johnny and Mikhail Berg and Lion for Jesus and some two other brethren. We are very grateful to you. Praise the Lord. God bless you and to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. Good night, Amen. Simon God. Peter. Amen. Okay, Amen. Okay, brother. Amen. Amen. All right. There we go. All right. <laughs> Yeah, if God puts it on your heart, just go to AmenIndia.org. And when you click the donate button, what you'll just get is his email address for PayPal. So look down there. You'll see once you click the donate button, look down on the page. you got to scroll down just a tiny bit. And you'll see the full gospel uh, email address there. And that's how you use, you just use that in PayPal to send him a few bucks. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be less nice than Johnny here. Okay. Um, for those of you who are already supporting missions somewhere, okay, awesome. That's wonderful. I'd still ask you to consider, you know, breaking out a, you know, a few dollars to help uh, uh, Pastor Tadapaldi's, uh, um ministry. But I know, just statistically speaking, that there are a huge number of people listening to this podcast who have never put a single dollar towards missions in their lives. If you claim to love the Lord, but you're not willing to put your money where your mouth is, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to call you a liar. For where a man puts his treasure, there his heart will be. So put your treasure, if not into this, and frankly, you know, if you've not, done, if you've not donated to missions before, this is a good place to start. Okay? Again, we've got children and lepers who need help. What's Yeshua going to say when you come to him and you've done nothing to help anyone outside, you know, your social circle, your your church group, your family? He's going to be like, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was sick, you didn't help me to heal. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. Is that what you want to hear? At this judgment seat of Christ. The answer is no. You need to get off the stick. And again, if there's another mission that God puts on your heart, fine. But this is not a matter of it's optional. If God puts it on your heart, then you support missions? No, that's not optional. It's mandatory. You're saying you have to be, do that to be safe? No, I'm saying if you're safe, you'll want to do it. It is not optional to spread the gospel. Now, we've got the world coming here to America. That is true. And there are lots of opportunities for everyone out there who wants to spread the word. That is true. But frankly, your money can go a heck of a lot farther in places in the world that are on the front lines and are the last bastions of darkness that need to be cracked open for our Lord to come. Let's say if they can afford it. <laughs> if someone is out there and just has flat no money, okay, God 
well, you know, I understand that, and so does God. Because God will make you what you give. <laughs> <laughs> he will. He always does. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, don't, don't use the things as excuse. Heck, uh, you know, I'm completely broke until Wednesday, so I, I sympathize, you know. I'm going to be making my donation, setting up my uh, regular uh, recurring donation on uh, Wednesday here just because, you know, I get paid on the first of the month or at the, on the last of the month, actually, technically. But, you know, I, I, I get that. But go do it. Go schedule it. Don't let this slide by. Okay. I, you know, I pointed out before I was not raised in synagogue. I was raised in a missionary church. Um, church was, had a couple thousand people in it, and we were supporting a dozen missionaries in the field at any given time, in addition to paying our own bills at the church. I'm very proud of that association. I'm very proud of um, you know being able, even as a uh, kid, with you know my allowance money, to be able to put it into the you know, offering basket for specific missionaries. I'm very proud for the fundraising efforts we put forward for them. Didn't have the opportunity to go to Irinjaya or to India or to Africa or, you know, wherever else. God didn't open up those particular doors for me. But it was still being a part of it. And you need to be a part of this battle. It's not optional. It's not, oh, I'll wait till the Lord puts on my heart. Somewhere you need to be making sure that you are putting the supplies to the people on the front line. We didn't win World War II simply by, you know, soldiers running on the beach. There were people that were, you know, building the infrastructure, that were growing the food, that were making the bullets, okay? An army fights on its, uh, army marches on its stomach, to quote, I believe, Napoleon. Well, guess what? What good is it, what good is your faith if you say to your brother, oh, be well-dressed and fed and do nothing to help him? According to the Lord's own brother, that makes your faith dead. Means you don't have faith if that's your attitude. So again, I, you know, I don't often go full bore, quote unquote, legalistic on something. For this, I will. If you, you know, if you're in, again, you know, if you're actually donating somewhere, you know, if you if you're already doing that. But if you are not, get off the fence, put your money where the, your mouth is, and help this man out. And uh, Pastor Simon Peter is the real deal, and he invites anybody who wants to come and visit him. And he has all the information on his website, and you can contact him, you can call him on this, his phone, and he will set that all up for you. You know, you can go out, literally go out, he invites you to go out to southern India and hang out with him. So, what do you think about that? That would be cool. That would be cool. Uh- I think it'd be cool too. <laughs> yeah, that would that be really would be cool. Awesome. I, you know what? I'm I, I finally I had problems logging into PayPal, but uh, I uh, I'm poor right now. But I got ten bucks, and uh, uh, I can send it to him, no problem. Uh, now one thing that you have to do, one thing that you have to do. Is that uh, he can't accept? He cannot accept personal payments. So on PayPal, you have to uh, at, uh, choose the um, choose the option that uh, he's selling something to you. And what he's selling to you is uh, well, I don't want to talk about seed money, <laughs> but if you help Simon Peter and his orphans and his lepers 
I'm sure the Lord would bless you for it. I can't imagine <laughs> that he wouldn't. Right? That's right. I mean, so, um, yeah, you have to, you have to actually do it like you're buying something. So, uh, you have to actually go to PayPal and look him up. And, uh, yeah, so that's how you do it. Anyway, when we started the Iron Show, uh, really, uh, let me play this for you. Let me play this for you here. And, uh. I want to talk about that subject. Let's see. Let me, let me this up. And, uh, we, love you. we love you, Lord. I thank you so much for the Iron Show and for my friends Johnny and Rick, Lord. Father, I thank you. I love you, Lord. I love you so much, Jesus. That was Peter. Good game. Welcome to the Iron Show. We're down here. We got Johnny Longshoreman talking to you right now. With Rick, the surfer. Hey. He's my co-host. Host, co-host. Hey, Rick. <laughs> He has put off his surfing engagement to be on the Iron Show here with Johnny Boy. And uh, we are going to talk about, what are we going to talk about, Rick? How about growing in grace and uh, lifting each other up and instead of batting each other down? How about that? How about that, guys? That was the, on Iron Show 1, that was our topic. Uh, and uh, yeah. we've kind of lived by that ever since, you know. Um, the uh, the kind of the theme of the Iron Show is to end division. You know, we all have these arguments and stuff, and uh, you know the Bible says, "Do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together." And uh, they, everybody says that's talking about going to church, but uh, I don't think that's what that means. I think that means as everybody has all these different, uh, as everybody has all these different. Uh, yeah, as everybody has all these different ideas and uh, different, uh, uh, you know, uh, dogmats. Yeah. Hang it's on. not even dogmatic. It's kind of childish now. Are we on? Or see it all Facebook. Oh, you can't hey, even hey, talk Richard. to anybody anymore. I can at least. I think Bleaking D's been popping in and out, and so is uh, Simon Peter. Yes, um, Simon Peter keeps wanting to connect, and there's so much background noise with him that I have to block him, which is um, kind of sad. Blinky, are you there? Um, it's okay. No, Blinky's trying to reconnect too. With Simon Peter, what I would say is uh, send a quick. Uh, don't block him. Send him a quick text telling him to uh, hit the mute button on his. Okay. Uh, until he's ready to speak, and then that way he can like be there and join in if he wants to, um, but not completely o- uh, override the show. Yes. Um. Yeah. I, I don't. You know. I've never. Uh, yeah. Have him. Uh, yes. Yes. Um. I'm going to. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill this call and call you guys back. Okay. Let's see here. Yes. Okay. I'm still here. <laughs> All right. Okay, who's here? I'm here. Blinky D's here. And uh, I got a rad rattle my mic to the call. We'll just do some rapping real quick. <laughs> 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 the wicked beatbox, like getting beatbox. down with it. I can do some beatboxing over here, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
fat boys, man. Fat boys. <laughs> Oh, I know. I've got to turn off my phone. All right, power off. I've got Skype going on my phone and my computer, my main machine. So I think that's the problem. And... All right, so now we got me and Rick and Blinky, it looks like. And uh, I'm going to kill this call. All right, I'm killing this whole call. And uh, we're going to uh, add people to this call. First, I'm going to add Rabbi Mike. There's Rabbi Mike. We're calling him now. Rabbi Mike, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to add my co-host, original co-host, Rick White. <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. But, yeah, we were talking about ending division. And I really think, you know, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I think as the church is has split into all these denominations and, and fighting that uh, we, that's what's happened. We forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And now we've got all kinds of radical things. We've got Christian identity, Nazi Christians. we got Hebrew roots guys. we got flat earthers now. That's a new thing. That's brutal. They don't, you know, they, everybody wants to be exclusive and they don't want to assemble. It kind of bugs me. Everybody just wants to fight. Hmm. Right? It's, yeah, people like to mistake um, fighting for the sake of fighting with, oh, I'm just, you know, speaking, uh, I'm just defending the Bible or I'm uh, I'm standing against heresy or whatever. Um, Really, I I don't know. (laughs) I'm... I've actually enjoyed over the last few years watching this, you know, for example, on the Messianic Jewish side, I don't fight with people about a whole lot. I mean, I'm happy to have a uh, debate on, you know, something. Well, why not? (laughs) Uh, You finally got in, Rick. Yeah, Rick wants to fight with you. Hey, want to fight? All right, let's let's do this. Um, hey, yeah, let's have a fight between Rick White. Let's have a theological yeah. argument between Richard White and uh, Rabbi Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to get in one of those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I got stomach problems, you know, all these years. <laughs> well, well, what were we talking about on that midnight live three-hour, four-hour marathon we did Friday night? What was it? Uh, you were talking about how does God need us? Right? That's what you said. That was the question. Yeah. Say that, ask that question again to Rabbi Mike. Do that whole thing. I want to see what oh. Rabbi Mike does with it. Yeah. That's the question. Does God need does us? God need us? That's half a question. Does God need us for what? Does he need us? Did, did he need to create us? In the sense of continuing his own existence? No. No, no, no. But, Just, but on the other hand, there are some things that you have to have uh, sentient beings around to do, like to love someone else. Well, I know that, but the question was, it, it was asked to me a long time ago, does God really need us? Does, did he need to create us? Was he, wasn't was his joy joy by himself good enough for him? Apparently not. <laughs> I mean, it, it, see, the thing is, um, God himself obviously considers, despite all the flaws of humanity, despite all the evil and all that, he obviously considers the creation better with us than without, right? 
So that means God puts great value into us. Now, is that the same thing as need? Well, no, but I think that to express love, he had to have an object or, you know, more to yeah, point but, people to put that love on. Yeah, but that's the question, is that he, he didn't need any of that. He created himself his glory because he, he loves his glory more than he loves anything else. Okay, uh, so he needed us for his glory? Well, it, it, it's, was, it came out from it's something I heard John Piper talk about, is that how much God loves his glory, and that out of his glory, that we're objects of his glory, right? So he created, for, because of the love of his glory, that he's already a tri-UN God, right? He's already tried, but he's, he's always probably been that throughout eternity, is who he is, you know, as... And it, what I was trying to point out is it, it's an actual theological discussion, even that Augustine even talked about. And it always amazed me to have that question. It's a question is it's also an I don't know question, but it also it's something to ponder. It's because of the fact that did God, you know, even though he created he created everything out of his glory because he loved his glory, and we're part of that glory. So okay, first off, define what you mean by glory. Because as I can see somebody out there who's not a believer yet, um, certainly not a Calvinist, going, wait, so God I'm just not, is all about himself? So define what you mean by that. Um, what I mean is that God didn't need to create anybody because he loved his glory. It's not what, I'm, what I came to. It's something that I read in The City of God by Augustine, which is never a Calvinist. It was Augustine. Uh, Augustine was pretty much where uh, Calvinism uh, drew its uh, roots from, though. I mean, Augustine was sort of the original emphasized predestination and God's glory over uh, anything else and uh, was the, and was hugely influential on Luther and Calvin both. Oh, of course, yeah. Of course he was, but it really doesn't matter. They're still Christians. Sure, and that's so, mean they're right, though. <laughs> and that's, where, and I'm just, that's why I'm saying we need to define the terms. It, it, could discuss that. it could mean that we're wrong. So you know, sure. there's no, there's no fine line for that, and and some people have a hard time understanding that it's like that's the point is it, you can't it's hard to grasp it's something not to grasp you know it's really hard to grasp that God didn't really like I said God doesn't need us because if we say that God you know needed to create us then we're still bringing him down to our level we're not letting him have you know. He's way separate from us. That's why he's holy. It's, that's why we know what separate means is holy. He's, I am, he's the holy God. He's separate from any way we think, any way, you know, we, anything that we do. We do everything because of how he created us. But, um, like I said, that's the question that people always, I, I either, either agree that God doesn't need us, you know, he doesn't need us, but out of his glory and his love, right, you know, because, like I said, some people would take it that he was the great ego that he loved himself, but it's um, that's not, not what the point was. I, actually, I'd rather have you listen to what Piper was kind of talking about, and uh, and before I even kind of destroy what I'm really <laughs> trying to make. And I understand. Point. I like John Piper. I've read quite, yeah. quite a few of his works. Uh, I do recognize his his dogmatic Calvinism as, as being part of that, and I would disagree with certain elements of it. But that's part of why I wanted to. Uh, sort of define things because scripture, for example, uses glory to refer to God's light in, in or God's uh, presence in the world. 
Okay, you know, talk about Yeshua, we beheld his glory as the glory of the uh, unique son of the father. So it's the, uh, so that's where we want to look at, okay, are we talking about glory in the sense of honor? Okay, are we talking about glory, I mean, you, the term can mean different things to different people. Just about who God as a being is himself, Mm -hmm. you know, not really, uh, like I said, it's like saying that, like he, like I said, he didn't need to create. He loved to create is what it really, you know, the meaning is. And I guess the conversation that we had the other night was it's hard for us to grasp that, you know, that I came to that conclusion to see that if he's all powerful and he's completely separate and omnipresent and omni everything, whatever, mm-hmm. um, that did, did he really need to do this or, you know, or did he do it because he enjoyed to do it? Oh, I would say the latter. I mean, a need, yeah. in, you know, an unqualified need would imply that uh, there was something uh, completely absent from him or that it's a requirement for his continuance or something like that. And that, that of course, is absurd. Um, but uh, but the way I would – if you've got John Piper online, go ahead and uh, throw him in there and then, boy. Uh, no, I'd, I'd rather just talk about because I can't okay. find him. <laughs> but, okay, no problem. <laughs> but, you, but you just hit it on the nail. You just answered it. So that was it. And uh, now we can then, for the audience, for between two guys that, are, that study a lot, um, which I haven't been. I've been a really bad boy. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but just for the audience, there's a lot more to it than what this question is. I'm questioning Rabbi Mike on a, a level that we that – because we, we love digging in deep into what we call theology, which is uh, – it's just, you know, it's a study of God. It's a study, it's actually, a, I love to study who God is, you know, because we love him so much. And for the rest of the audience that you don't know, that there's a lot more to it that probably Rabbi might can explain a little bit better than I can, just, you know, because he's a little bit, well, older, a little bit, a little bit up there more than I, you know, me. More, so. more, art- more articulate. He's very articulate and pretty. That's what, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me sort of back up here um, and explain where I think there, there's a little bit of a trap uh, in certain aspects of Calvinism, and that's why I, I when we have these conversations, I always want the other person to tell me, what do you mean by glory? How are you envisioning this? Because Calvinists use terms with particular theological insights. Let me back up and give an example that's easy for people to get their arms around. Uh, you've heard the term agape before, right? Of course, yeah, but okay. um, I think I have a hard time. Define really agape. Is that yeah. fatherly love? It's actually... Friendship. It, it it's is what Paul believed. So, I'm sorry, go ahead, Rick. Talk I'm just saying, I don't like the, the label Calvinism or Arminianism. No, we're talking about agape. You get, he asked you a question, what is agape? No, I know about that. I just, like, just to let you know, I don't think it's a Calvinism. Yeah, Rick Calvinism. doesn't like labels because they identify him. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I like I like as well as I like I you know, like John Calvin I like John Huss I even go back farther you know I love John Wesley I love you know most of the martyrs Calvin. I love John Calvin a lot but John Calvin's not a Calvinist by today's standards because no. he wasn't as certain about yeah, I don't think he's throwing he ideas out there yeah I just thought he had a, he had a lot of good point. He oh, was yeah. he was and kind of violent though. I, I'm more like I'm more Luther 
than I would be Calvin because I really like Luther a lot. I didn't That's like Calvin's thing. Calvin's violence. He didn't like the Anabaptists, and that you know really got the Thirty Year War going and everything. Yeah, neither did Luther. Um, uh, there, it was not exactly a temperate time. But uh, getting back to getting back to why I find it's necessary yeah. to you know, back up occasionally. Agape, agape love. If you talk to a agape. lot of people and say and talk and you say you know what is agape, their answer is oh that's God's special love. Well, the problem is that's not actually the way Paul used it. It's taken on that meaning through several centuries of you know a couple of millennia of Christian use. But originally, agape simply means to be completely devoted. To someone or something. That's why you know you have uh, John talking about how men hated the light because they agapeo the darkness. They were completely yeah. they loved the darkness. They were completely devoted to evil deeds. Okay, so when we are talking about some of these things, you know, people sometimes infer in things that aren't part of the original biblical mindset and have developed later, and that doesn't make them wrong. It does mean that you can have. It's a misunderstanding between two different groups that sort of develop their concepts differently. So that's where I always, whenever we're using one of these technical theological terms like, you know, glory, agape, law, grace, and so forth, I always say, okay, back up. Tell me how you're using that word. So it wasn't like me trying to trap you, Rick. I just wanted to, I just wanted to see where you were no, coming okay from. You're trying to trap me because you're making me think. <laughs> it's the mind uh, trap. My, but, my, favorite, my favorite of all that is when I read the uh, which I want to reread again, is The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Yes. I, really, um, I went through the loves, you know, agape love, you know, then uh, the storage, you know, philos, or philos. Mm-hmm. And what was the last one? <laughs> uh, um, you've got eros, philos, agape, eros. and... Uh, yeah. I forgot about eros, man. Oh, my gosh. You know, and I have a problem with eros. But, um, what is eros? What, what <laughs> is eros? <laughs> Eros, you know, erotica, but yep. eros. What kind is of love a, is that? It's the kind of love, love in the Song of Solomon. So, <laughs> oh, like yeah. romantic love? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I, I'm get, I'm getting on, and this where coming from, you know, that point of view that I was talking with Johnny with is that's the whole thing was it's a thing I still ponder a lot about, you know, about God and that, this whole thing. Well, Rick, that, do you do you? Do you need Do you need to uh, play your guitar? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Though. No, I'm just yeah. asking you. Just you, or do you need to play your guitar? Do is I that need like, to play my guitar? No. Is that like a need? Do you need to play it, or you'll go crazy? Oh. No, I don't need to play it. Do you need to do anything? Is there anything you need to make? Do you need to make dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that God kind of has a need to create. That's kind of part of his nature. Um, yeah, again, no. I wouldn't call it a need. I call it a, a, a joy in creation. Okay. That, that sort of gets back to the to the glory question here, okay? Yeah. if uh, it, it, Here's where I think there's a little bit of a trap in saying, well, God just – everything's uh, God you know, putting forth his glory and so forth. Here's the problem. If you're using glory in the sense of uh, honor or reputation – uh, the Hebrew and Greek words for honor or glory in that sense both mean uh, value or wealth, yeah. the idea that, that you value the person. Okay, So if you do that, then just like with love, you're in a little bit of a trap because if God creates a universe that's just him and just an uh, uninhabited universe where he's the only intellect in it, the universe cannot appreciate his glory. 
Okay, the universe cannot give glory to him in the same sense that sentient beings can. So you're still stuck with a situation where God uh, would uh, need to create sentient beings to get to the get someone that he could sh- display his glory to, that he could show himself to. And here's where I think that love trumps glory in God's eyes, because God gave up his glory in the person of Jesus Christ when he came to die on the cross. He did not give up his love. He To have love, you have to have free will. God considered a universe with free will where people could choose not to love, where people could choose to do evil, to be worth it to get those who would choose to love him. Okay, and loving God, it's not like he has this slavish need for, you know, a, a affection and so forth. There are plenty of people who blaspheme and try to make God out that way. No, it's not that. It he if he wanted that, he could have made slaves who just sort of adored him. Instead, the Bible's emphasis is that God's whole goal is to make children. That and so when it's when we get to this thing of God's glory, yes, he does things in a way that uh, brings glory to himself, but. He, the idea is not simply to boast. The idea is, as with any intelligent being, and we have this because we are made in his image, so we've got a lot of the same traits, he desires to be known and loved for who he truly is. But who he truly is, is glorious. Okay? So that, it was it necessary in any sense for God to create us? Well, if you mean necessary for God to... Um, uh, exist? Obviously not. He pre-existed everything, so obviously his existence is not contingent on receiving this love. God does not need prayer to be fed, unlike the gods of the you know pagans. But instead, he had a desire to have beings that he could shower his love on, that he could shower his glory on, that he could create a wonderful life-sustaining universe for, and that who in return could choose to love him back. And he considered all of the bad things that would happen in the meantime, to be worth it. So it's not a matter of whether God needs us, obviously not, but God desires us and puts an immense amount of value on us and puts an immense amount of value on us having the free will so that we can truly love him. And that's where I have problems with modern Calvinism, which gets so hung up on uh, the tulip, which, again, Calvin himself, while he speculated a lot, did not try to systematize it in that direction. But it puts so much emphasis on this um, idea of, uh, well, you know, you didn't choose God, God chose you. Okay, to a certain extent that's true, but to another extent the Bible says we have a choice and therefore are responsible for it. You can't have one without the other. So I believe that God's principal thing is he wanted a family. He wanted children, both the angelic children that are called sons of God and the redeemed of humanity who are also called God's children. And what we've been, what we will be, has not yet been seen. But when he comes, we will, shall be like him, for we shall see him as he truly is. First John. Yeah. Amen. Uh, I'm I'm backing up with guitar, rather like <laughs> don't, don't just keep talking if you hear it. I said that's one of the things we do in the Iron Show is like quietly back up people with a guitar. <laughs> I can hear it on mine, so you know we'll see if it comes out in the recording. Oh, it will. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's really that's really true. Um, you know, one thing though that strikes me is that uh, uh, you know uh, that verse that says the, the the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. That sounds kind of like God needs us. He needs workers. 
No. I don't know, man. Look at that. Look at that. He's need. He needs workers. He's like, hey, man. I got the harvest is ripe. The workers are few. Come on. I need within you. the constraints of the laws he's created for it. Yeah, you could say that. But it, let's look at it this way: in it, we've got several scenes in the Bible where a prophet has a vision of heaven, and God's turning around to the angels and saying things like, "Who's going to go for us? And who's going to trick Ahab into dying? And who's going to do this? And what's your plan?" And so forth. Now, is it because God couldn't figure it out without them? No, but he is. Uh, by engaging his heavenly court, he is allowing them to use the gifts that he gave them and to demonstrate independent will and independent ideas and so forth. In the same way, God could just, you know, Yeshua could just come on the clouds of heaven and pick and choose depending on how people reacted to him in that moment. That's not how God chose to do it. Okay, because that could force uh, obedience out of fear rather than bringing someone uh, to him out of love. So God has chosen to set up the circumstances so that our decisions, what we do now, are of eternal importance. That's part of what it means to be made in God's image, to be a son or a daughter of God, is you have decisions to make, and the decisions you make today don't just affect your life in the short term. They affect everyone's lives in a ripple effect, and some of those, the ways you affect people have eternal importance. They do. They're, yeah. You know, God's plan is, uh, God's plan is, uh, kind of, at least for us, is dependent on what we do. I mean, in order for, I don't know, in order for God's plan to work out, I mean, we have to act, we have to, you know, act appropriately. We have to, well, we have to, uh, believe in Jesus, believe he was, uh, raised from the dead, believe he died for our sins, believe he was the son of God. I mean, we have to do that. That's how you get saved. You say that. And if you mean it and you say it, you're saved instantly. I believe Jesus was the Son of God. I believe he was raised from the dead. And I believe he died for my sins. That's it. You're saved. If you really believe, you say it like you mean it. And uh, if you confess that with your mouth. But, you know, part of his plan is that we um, do that good work, that we, you know, preach the gospel, that we feed the poor, that we clothe the naked, that we visit the sick and the ones in prison, that we, uh, we care for our brothers and sisters, and, uh, you know, uh, really, God needs us for the plan to work out. If we all rebel, it won't work out. Yep, exactly. And, and but he's made it so that we won't all rebel, He's given us a chance, even when we rebel, to come back to him quite often, actually. That's so um, important. I mean, you look at – I mean, go back to the Tower of Babel incident, okay? The implication at the, at the Tower of Babel um, is that uh, mankind was trying to find a way to um, uh, basically draw down the heavens again. The – my own take on it is that you know, post flood, as man began to spread, he still remembered and uh, had legends about how the gods, the sons of God, had come down in the days of uh, Yared and had uh, you know created a half divine race of demigods. And I think the whole issue of the Tower of Babel was an attempt to make it happen again. And at that point, God's you know the God is pretty much like well. If that's the way you want it, here, have your gods. And you would think at that point he's just sort of thrown his hands up in the air. He's walked away from humanity. 
um, and he's all done with humankind, and now we're going to just be under the rulership of these, uh, you know, sons of God, these fallen angels, uh, the, these archons forever, right? No. He went back and he started over with Abraham. And as often as and Abraham made mistakes, and God kept bringing him through that, and did the same thing with Isaac and Jacob and the sons of Jacob. I mean, think about them selling Joseph, how that should have screwed everything up. And did that over and over again with Israel's history to demonstrate that he loved Israel, and he loved mankind enough that he wasn't going to give up on us, and continued to do so through the coming of the Messiah. Now, you'd think that you know murdering the Son of God would be the ultimate sin from which there could be no forgiveness. Okay, they, when the adversary went into uh, super happy kill mode after the transfiguration, uh, and everyone starts turning against Yeshua because the adversary is pressing them, he's trying to do two things. On the one hand, he's trying to kill the messianic king before he can ascend the throne. He doesn't know what the game is yet. He's also trying to get humanity, and Israel in particular, to commit a sin so great that he thought God wouldn't forgive it. But God's, you know just sort of like, hey guys, check this out, <laughs> and pull, and uh, basically outmaneuvers him. So, you know, in all that, God is demonstrating over and over again, despite all of our sins, he will punish us severely. Oh, uh, yeah. But he won't give up on us. Nope. Okay. Once you're, once you're his son, he's not giving up on you. This is, this is why I find replacement theology to be so noxious, because if you can't believe that God would hold on to Israel, if you believe that God would toss Israel away and start over with somebody else, then that means you can't have any uh, hope in your salvation. That's right. He Paul made a promise. Says. He made a promise. He's going to keep it. Yeah. Paul even says, it's like, you know, okay, you know, you're saying that some branches were broken off so I could be grafted in. Fine. But if you're going to say that, don't glory, don't boast over the broken branches, because if God did not spare them, he's not going to spare you. Your salvation is only as secure as Israel's salvation. But God has demonstrated over and over again, and most particularly in the last 70 years, his uh, continued fidelity uh, for Israel. So, you know, it, we because Israel is back in the land, we can more than ever say, our God reigns, our God loves us, our God is not giving us up. And we've got a job to finish. We're in the last hours here. The adversary is full of wrath, knowing his time is very short, and we've got a job to finish up. And we will do so, not because, oh no, if we don't do it, he's not coming back. He will make sure the job gets done. But our willing participation, you are willingly participating in repairing the world. There's no higher or nobler calling. There's nothing that brings God's glory out by that, and then that willing participation, and there's nothing else that shows your love back for your father, like willingly participating in his plans to the point of being willing to sacrifice. Yep, and you know, uh, you're talking about really bad sins, and you feel really bad for them, and you don't think you can be forgiven. St. Paul, the guy who wrote half the New Testament, or more than half probably, um, mm-hmm. he was a Christian killer, Christian hunter, anyway. Uh, he had, you know, he, he would he would hunt Christians and with his boys, and they'd put him in jail, right? And that's what he did. That was his job. And uh, he held uh, he held this one guy's coat while they killed uh, Saint Stephen. Oh, he even made a point of saying later when he was talking about his testimony, it's like I tried to get them to blaspheme so we could put them to death. I voted against them. 
Okay, he was on at least one Sanhedrin. There wasn't just the one Sanhedrin for everything. That had actually been shut down by the Romans. There were multiple Sanhedrins um, over the various cities and so forth. And Paul evidently sat on one and actually as a voting member. And he try, when he speaks about trying to get them to blaspheme, the only blasphemy that Judaism recognizes as uh, being worthy of death is to a uh, uh, basically using the Lord's true name, the uh, Tetragrammaton, uh, in a curse. And so he was trying to get them to, you know, use the Lord's name in vain, literally, trying to get them to use uh, the name. This is one of the reasons why I get a little bit nervous about some of the Hebrew roots folks that are going around very casually using what they think the pronunciation is. It's like, um, you realize that, you know, the evidence is that uh, Yeshua's earliest disciples did not. No. So, and there was a good reason for that, so. We're talking about God's most holy name. It starts with a Y, and people type it all over Facebook. That's, yeah. I don't, it's hard to offend Johnny. I mean, I'm a longshoreman. It's just, like, impossible to offend me with anything. But when I see them typing the Lord's most holy name on Facebook, I get real offended. I get real, yeah. my, my feathers get all ruffled. But Paul's point is, he was trying to trick them into <clears throat> blaspheming. In his mindset, not only to allow him to get them to uh, uh, put them to death. I mean, you know, the they could flog him and so forth, but they would have a hard time, you know, really holding up a death penalty for someone believing that the Messiah had come and had risen from the dead. He was trying to get them, provoke them into death penalty crimes, and moreover, a crime that the rabbis believed would uh, take away any chance you had of being in the world to come. Basically, you know, send you to hell, to use the Christian term there. And, you know, Paul was very deliberate and calculating on some of this stuff. And yet, this chief of sinners, as he calls himself, God used to translate this very strange Middle Eastern Oriental uh, religion into Greco-Roman terms. And he did so so successfully that Christians have felt more comfortable with Paul than just about anyone else in the New Testament ever since. So yeah. God can take even someone who is a deliberate blasphemer and turn the and turn their lives around. Yeah, the Bible was written by a Christian hunter who got his ass kicked on the road to Damascus. <laughs> the Lord for those who don't know what happened, could you tell them could you tell them what happened to Saint Paul when he was on the road to Damascus hunting some more Christians? Certainly. Uh he was going up, he had letters from the high priest that would uh allow him to uh, get with the uh, local Jewish authorities in Damascus and uh, let them arrest some of the leaders of the uh, uh, Nazarene sect there. And so as he's on his way up the road, this being right after Stephen's uh, death, he uh, uh, suddenly gets a bright light in his face and he, hear, he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Yeshua, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you'll be told what to do. And when he rose, he couldn't see. He had to go to one of the Messianic Jews. He was uh, on his way to arrest, a guy who was kind of nervous when the, when the angel showed up and said, hey, I want you to pray over Saul. <laughs> He's like, wait, you want me to do what now? <laughs> but he had to go and ask for prayer, and he fasted for several days before uh, he was approached by uh, Ananias. His name would actually be Hananiah, which would be the Lord is graceful, is actually the translation of Ananias' name in Hebrew, who put his hands on Saul and prayed for him, and his eyes were healed. Now, there's some speculation, and there's some old tradition, that Paul was left with some nearsightedness after that, forever after, as sort of a reminder 
Um, that some speculate that might have had something to do with the thorn in his side and, and so forth. But regardless of that, God healed him. God gave him his sight back. He blinded him to show him, you've been blind, but he gave him his sight back. And then used him to go to the Gentiles. And Paul, understand, Paul didn't get off scot-free. Okay, you go and you read in uh, First or Second Corinthians. He talks about the things he suffered, and that was just at the point of you know some uh, five ten years before his execution. You know, he talks about. Uh, let me find the passage. And here we go. Let's see here, Second Corinthians chapter eleven, and here we go, verse. Uh, 25, five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. By the way, one time was risky. So five times he put his life on the line. He could have died of an infection or something. Uh, Three times I was beaten with rods. That means the Romans. Once I was stoned. Three times a day I was shipwrecked. Or three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea. This is before the big shipwreck everyone knows about. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. So he who had ordered the arrest and um, uh, beating of the early Messianic Jews, and for those who aren't who might be coming in new on this? I say Messianic Jews because if you say Christian, you've got a, you get a particular culture idea in your head that's not quite right. So I'm just sort of emphasizing the Jewish part here. Um, but he Except they were calling them they were calling was, them Christians in the Book of Acts, though. So. Yeah, they, they were first called uh, Christians way up in Pisidian Antioch, and somewhat later than all this, though. So. Roman sarcasm. Yep. Oh, it was. It was. They were. You know. Followers of the Nazarene, or, or the Way, is what it was called. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Romans, you know, kind of like uh, I don't know if you agree with this. Just this is often enough uh, that uh, Palestine was also a name. I don't know. This is something that I, maybe it's uh, something I read. It was wrong, but that like Christians, you know, they were called Christians. It was like a yeah, a bunch of those Christians. Like you know, it was like a, a curse word to the Romans. And uh, Palestine was also Palestine was also a curse word against the Jews because every Roman soldier didn't want to serve in Israel because they called it they called it the toilet or the sandbox if you know what I mean <laughs> I don't know I, I just thought that was hilarious when I heard well, the that. Romans, I, yeah, the Romans in the second century renamed it Palestine for the Philistines. Palestine is how you uh, say Philistina in uh, Roman because they don't have uh, much of an F sound. Um, the uh, in terms of the Christian Christian a, a word ending in Ian in uh, Latin is means a political party. So it'd be like calling them the Republicans. They were calling them the political party of this uh, dead carpenter. It was the okay, joke behind not, it. That's what I thought. But I also I just I like the term I heard about Palestine. Uh, the, the only reason why I'm saying that is that one person said uh, it was I don't know I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it was it made me. Feel like that they didn't. The Romans really didn't want to serve in Israel. They, they couldn't stand it. They said, "I'm not going to that toilet." And I thought Palestine was. I thought I, I don't see it anywhere in Latin that you know Palestine means toilet. But still, that somebody said that. I don't know. I don't know if that was true or not. But I actually I thought that was pretty funny, just because of the fact that uh, how uh, Palestinians call them Palestinians, and, and the Jews were uh, 
they were the true Palestinians. They always have been. And uh, there's uh, Palestinians, are, they call them that now, which never had a people in their life. They're just Arabs, you know. So I just thought, well, why, why do the Arabs want to call themselves the toilet people? But I, I just thought that was funny. Well, in Arabic, uh, uh, the they call the Palestinians in uh, Saudi Arabia. They call them the Philistini, which means the dogs in Arabic. If I, according to uh, uh, Sanu, who lived in uh, Saudi Arabia for quite a few years and picked up the language, so the uh, uh, um, yeah, the Arabs don't think much of the Palestinians. And part of the reason is that the Palestinians are not Arabs. They're the uh, children of uh, Esau, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> Something I'd have to set up. So when Arafat, the Egyptian, saw people that he wanted to control, he took over Esau. Yeah, basically. So uh, that's oh, they're not Arabs. So they're they're even though they're Muslim and they look like Arabs, but they're not Arabs. Well, they've been they've been intermarried with the Arabs in that particular uh, stretch of the world for quite some time. So there's in terms of if you went to the DNA, they, they'd look like Arabs and so forth. I mean, even back as far as, I mean. Esau himself intermarried with uh, some Bishmael's uh, daughters. So no, no, I know, I know that. I, I know but, about Esau. That's why I was like going, well, if the Palestinians are from Esau, that's from you know Abraham, which you know Jacob's brother. Uh, that's you well, know, and they were. The history is that they were the uh, Edom. Of course, if you look in your Bible maps, it's over on the uh, uh, yeah. east side of the Dead Sea. Uh, but yeah. if you look at your New Testament maps, you see that where uh, Edom used to be, it now says Nabatea, because the Nabataean Arabs um, came in and conquered it. And uh, in con- accordance with some of the prophecies against Edom in the uh, Old Testament, the Edomites lost their homeland and were actually forced around the Dead Sea into southern Judea. And you can actually see there uh, a place called Edumea in your Bible maps. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, just, yeah. That's just Roman for Edom. So when so, the Jews were forced out of uh, what the Romans renamed uh, Palestine, again, they were naming it for the Philistines, um, the en- enemies of the Jews, when they were forced out of that after the uh, Second uh, Revolt in the second century, uh, the Edomites were not forced out to the same degree and basically took root there. They became, after the rise of Islam, they came intermingled with the Arab population, but their um, original origin goes all the way back to uh, Edom, uh, Esau, in the uh, book of Genesis. Do so. the Muslims honor them, the Edomites? No, they don't like them at all. <laughs> oh, okay, but you say they got mixed in with the Muslims. Yeah, they got mixed in with uh, the children of Ishmael. Uh, <laughs> Arabs uh, believe that they are from, uh, that they're all descended from Ishmael. Uh, quite a few of them are also descended from uh, Abraham's other children through his second wife, Keturah. Um, mm-hmm. Like the Midianites and so forth, they all became part of what we think of as uh, the Arabs. Um, and one of the children of Esau, from her right, was a guy named Nabat, who became the father of the Nabataeans. Now, some people dispute okay. that today, but that's what the uh, the Arabs themselves make that connection. So, oh, yeah, um, read my book again. Though. Yeah, <laughs> uh, get back into history. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking because I always been confused about. Uh, Palestinians, even though I know about, I knew about the Philistines. I always known about them, but you know, just it was they never, they never were, you know, they never owned that land. They, they, they came from somewhere else, and I always thought they came from near Spain, you know, or near Tarsus, and they they came over, and you know, across, and then started conquering everywhere, as it, if 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 you remember, but 
and the Bible doesn't really go through it, but there was other things that I've read that about them that I don't know if you know it, there were secular books, but uh, oh. Philistines. Right. Well, the the Philistine. Yeah. To back up, the original Philistine. The fact that the Romans named it Palestine was just a slap in the face of the Jews. It wasn't because they believed the Philistines still existed as a people. The original, the biblical Philistines were part of a group known as the Sea Peoples um, in uh, ancient literature. Nobody's one hundred percent sure where they came from, uh, but they conquered all around the uh, Eastern Mediterranean. Um, it's caused a lot of headaches for Egypt, uh, conquered and intermarried with the uh, various uh, Phoenician groups uh, over time. They were the reason why um, ancient Canaanite cities like Ugarit, way up in um, uh, Syria, were destroyed. And it took us a long time to find them and to find the libraries, which have given us a lot of insight into Canaanite culture that we didn't have before. So nobody's really 100% sure. The Bible seems to tie them in with Cyprus and Crete. Um, but in terms of uh, the relationship, the Philistines are actually listed as uh, being among the sons of Ham in the Table of Nations in Genesis. Uh, oh. uh, yeah, we, I can say, yeah, we can go that far back. Um, yeah. that's my, that's, I love that area. That right, era. but the, Philist- the Philistines as a people were all wiped out um, in, in Old Testament times. Again, the Romans, if Romans weren't saying the Philistines still existed. They were just deliberately picking a name they knew would tick off the Jews because they were really ticked that they'd lost yeah. an entire legion trying to take the region and take the uh, 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 land back after uh, the Bar Kokhba revolt. Oh no, so, yeah, that's, that's why. I, so somebody came up with that uh, that joke. Yep. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, Maybe that's what I thought. I thought, you know, like I said, the Phoenicians and the Tarsians, that I thought maybe they were intermixed into that and the Philistines, you know, because they were like conquering type of people. And then, I don't know, we can go we can go on about that, you know, until we can find out exactly what you were just talking about, exactly, you know, where they came from. Uh, well, the, the Phoenicians themselves called themselves the Sidonians for uh, the city of Sidon. Um, they were called the Phoenicians by the Greeks, and there's a bit of a debate about where the name comes from. Some believe it comes from the Greek name for palm because they, there were a lot of palm trees in those regions. Others point out that it refers to the Greek name for red, and there is some old art and some accounts that suggest that the uh, Phoenicians were redheaded. Um, so the uh, there there are a number of different um, uh, Questions on that. Part of the problem we run into is not everyone calls everyone by the same name. You know, like if you know, you, we call, you know, we refer to China, okay, but that's not what the Chinese call themselves. Um, you know, we we refer to Japan, but the Japanese refer to themselves as the people of Nippon. Okay, they don't, you know, they have a J sound, but it's not what they call their own set of islands. So there, there. A lot of cases where we get confused just because different peoples have different names for the same area, and um, that's in the case of the Phoenicians, they were basically the Canaanites. Now, interestingly enough, God did not have a problem with all of the Canaanites or all of the Phoenicians. He only had a problem with those who were in the south. So, those that were in the north, God didn't give you know the uh, didn't give Tyre and Sidon over to um, uh, the children of Abraham. He didn't give Syria, which was also a uh, major uh, Phoenician area, over to them. Um, he only specified certain tribes in the south that apparently had gotten exceedingly wicked and, again, getting back to the whole uh, heaven and earth thing, had apparently gotten involved with uh, fallen angels again. 
uh, creating a post-flood race in Ephilim called the Rephaim. Now, we are way... Uh, uh, this is the sort of thing where it's like, we probably need to do a whole show on it, <laughs> and I'm yeah, going to have to go yeah, to bed soon. Yeah, but, so, but that was... Um, anyway, that was, that was good. <laughs> but the, the long story short is that Paul got, got... God made sure Paul was paid back in his own life, <laughs> getting back to where I started off from. Uh, so he who, you know... Uh, called up others before uh, courts was called before courts himself. He who had treated them unjustly in court was treated unjustly in court. Uh, he who ordered the beatings of others was beaten, and he who ordered uh, the death and stood by uh, of uh, the Nazarenes and um, stood by at the stoning of Stephen was ultimately put to death. Okay, uh, and Paul suffered it all willingly for the sake of his people. I mean, when he talks about five times he was received uh, forty lashes less one. You have to understand, in Jewish law, that meant that five times he was excommunicated and willingly took on that punishment to uh, basically prevent them from kicking him out and excommunicating him. Because under Jewish law, anyone who uh, took the 39 lashes had to be received back as a brother. So he put his life on the line five times to make sure nobody could claim that he had departed from his people. Um, but the if you have – my point going where we were before is like – Okay, the things you do in this life, if you sin and everything else, guess what? God's probably going to make sure that you get paid back in this life. I've seen it um, and so forth. It, you know, If somebody comes to the Lord after a life of crime, guess what? They're still going to have to suffer out their pre- prison sentence. I used to do prison ministry and um, hey. knew people that had halfway houses and tried to get people reestablished. It is hard. Hey, that's what I'm doing actually right now. The band that I play in uh, – Lead singer, he did 15 years in prison, and uh, that's where he got saved. And he's got me involved in the prison ministry. And actually, keep that's this awesome. in prayer. We're going out to the federal prison, um, and we're going to do four, you know, four worship uh, things with them and give our testimonies and stuff. Which I, I, I've, you know, I've only been to jail. I've not never been to prison, but I was still a drug addict, and I was still, uh, you know, all the above. It should have been in prison, but. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about missionaries. Everybody, I'm going. Yeah, I oh, never got caught I, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and we do. That. We, our band goes into prison. We went into a, a place called Chuckawalla, which is out in, in San Diego, and it's a fire camp for you know prisoners. And then we just recently did Vista Jail, of course. There, there's some lifers in there, and uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm playing to murderers and child molesters and. And you yep. got to go in there. You, you got to go in there without prejudice. I swear it's and it's really hard, you know, because I you know, I was a victim of a child molester when I was a kid, a little kid. Mm, that's so, right. Yeah. You've told you told your testimony. You were like yeah. raped. I'm not I'm not ashamed to even tell people about that because I know there's a lot of people out there that have had that happen to them ever since you know the '60s, but probably even before that. But the great. Uh, Awakening of the, you know, I call it the awakening of sin that started. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I became a victim of not not just one. You know, when I was, you know, nine years old, it was also twelve, and it's also fourteen. So, so you got three, it. it's like three different times in my, my life that I got I got hit. But you know, of course, fourteen, I was you know getting drunk already and all that stuff, and you know, I, I don't blame that that happened, but. Uh, it's still something that that it's like I, the violate you know the violation and mm-hmm. stuff. I did, but going in prisons, having to do, deal with this, it's I tell God I'm going in here and I know what I'm going to be faced with and I know where still I have you know I deal with that problem of anger with that where you know sometimes when I yeah. hear about 
things like that. I, I want to be, you know, the first guy to get, you yeah, know, you want to go kick ass. Yep. Yeah. And, but here we do. This is, this is why God has a sense of humor. So, so what does he do? He puts me in the prison ministry. So, um, which it's a blessing. And, uh, the last time I was playing when we were leading worship and I saw all those faces, I, I was, I mean, I know everybody, all those guys saw, I started weeping when I was, I was trying to sing backup vocals and, I couldn't. I, I had to turn my back a little bit to play my solo or whatever. Because and, of them. Uh, because I didn't. I wanted to keep strong, but I saw those the people in there. You could feel the the hurt and the anger and the pain of that ministry. I mean, uh, when you're talking about how hard it is, that it's really hard because you know either that you're going to turn out that way or you're going to be angry. And I'm kind of glad that I actually got broken down. You know. And mm-hmm. Um, that was just the last time. That's the last thing we did. And now, next month, we're going uh, out to a federal prison to do, you know, the men, the hard, and the men on the hardest, you know, hardcore men that only get 23 hours, you know, uh, uh, inside, but one hour a day. Wow. And then the, the women in there. So, wow. Uh, they they'd lock them up 23 hours a day? Uh, um, some places they do for, and, Wow. Gary is saying, "Hey, we're doing that," and so I have to fill out my uh, fill out my uh, paperwork and uh, so I can get ready to do that. But man, I've been praying, you know, in battle because of it. But uh, it's uh, yeah, that's a really hard thing to do, as, as you said, yeah. uh, uh, Mike. It's just uh, there's just it's the weirdest ministry. I mean, I've done all kinds of ministry. I always wanted to be, like I said, oh, I want to be a missionary. So. You know, you know, God gave me something. Okay, you want to be a missionary? Okay, here you go. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm going inside the place I don't want to ever be going. I, I don't want to be there. I mean, but what did I Jesus guess, say? You, you didn't visit me when I was sick and in prison. Oh no, I know that. I just, see, you're doing that. You're doing what Jesus directly yeah, told it, you. It's, it's like it's like you know, I'm kicking against the goad sometimes. But that you're doing your <laughs> job. I mean, Jesus, I got to yeah. go visit people. And that's in prison. what you left out, Mike. Remember, I love the the. The Geneva version. He goes, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? You right. Know, I, was, yeah. I was just like, I just, I thought that was a great, that would be a great metal song. Saul, Saul, you know, kicking against the goads. <laughs> Saul. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know, a goad is a pokey stick that you poke an animal yeah. to get it to move. Yeah, um, yeah, a Shamgar, my my all time Bible hero. He killed what six hundred Philistines with an ox goad. Yep, with a pokey stick. <laughs> Badass Shamgar. You know what? We we went through our study in Judges, and I was surprised to learn that Shamgar wasn't even even Hebrew. He was like he was like a Hurrian barbarian. Mm-hmm. Some of those judges weren't even Israelites, really, or Hebrew or Jewish, right? Exactly. That's in God will use anybody. He'll use you. You know, whoever you are. And, like, yeah, the Iron Show, seven years. I'm starting to get pretty famous. I was talking to Cindy Crawford last night, the supermodel Cindy Crawford. Uh, She's got a ministry in Africa. So, I mean, we're going to be, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm starting to get pretty famous. (laughs) Cindy Crawford, seriously? Yeah, yeah. And uh, This is a different Cindy Crawford, not the... No, the supermodel, Cindy Crawford, the supermodel. Wow. Yeah. See, the arm show is starting to get famous. I'm starting to get famous. She and became a Christian. She says she's sort of a Christian. She's more of a of a uh, what do you call it? A philanthropist or whatever you want to call it. 
she wants to help the poor kids in Africa that are, you know, orphaned by uh, terrorism and warlords. And uh, so she says she's going to get a hold of me when she wants me to, like, um, announce it on the Iron Show and ask the listeners to uh, help and direct them there. So, yeah. Yeah, Johnny's buddies with Cindy Crawford. What do you think of that? So anyway. I think that uh, I, I have several friends that are going to be kind of jealous <laughs> if I'm on that show with you. <laughs> so oh, my but, best had like her posters all over his room when we were growing up. Oh, did you? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That's why I was just like, no way. <laughs> no, yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, I just was trying to say that, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm seven years and the Iron Show is getting pretty famous and people might think, oh, Johnny's doing this big ministry. You know, you know what? Just sweeping the floor in a church could be a bigger ministry than what I'm doing. You know, uh, just supporting hey, Spurgeon. That's yeah. actually how I got started uh, on my road to becoming a rabbi. I was just, you know, doing the cleanup after the service was over at the synagogue and the rabbi started talking with me, so... If all you are is a is a janitor in a church, you're probably you probably have a bigger ministry than Johnny does. So don't feel bad if you can do anything for Jesus. Do it. I you know? say the story about Charles Spurgeon. He was that's all he did as a pastor. He went and cleaned his own church, and he did all he because now nah, this is my job. This is my you know. This is what the Lord gave me, so I have to keep it clean myself. So it was a good. That's a cool story about Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, I can speak people, from me. People walked in and they looked at him and they go, "Hey, can we speak to the pastor?" And here he is in his garb, cleaning up. He goes, "Yeah, well, what do you want?" And they're like looking at him, like, oh, you know, how could you be the pastor?" You know, and he's just like looking at him, like. So he wrote about it. He's like, like how people think. He's like, "What is wrong with you, Christians?" Because this is what we do. We, you you get you know it's elbow grease. You got to get your hands dirty. You know you got to you got to jump in the wallow in the mud. You know this is <laughs> this is our job. We're on the front lines, man. You know we're not. Ooh, you know we, in fact he had the first I guess biggest mega church there ever was. I guess that's what they say. Besides, uh, you know for a real church, not the Catholic church. <laughs> but you know there's a lot of people when we get into heaven that we didn't think were you know doing much, and they're like above us. As far as rewards, yeah, well, you, know, you know, people who really care. Jesus wanted us to actually care, and that seems to be the biggest challenge with us, right? I mean, in my yeah. life. Hey, look, there's a reason why Yeshua said, "He who gives a water to a cup of water to a prophet because he's a prophet." Uh, will uh, by no means lose his reward. Okay, it, you know, even something as simple as giving, uh, you know, doing that simple thing of handing, bringing water to somebody who needs it, uh, it can be those moments. And, and regarding your going to prison, Rick, I mean, it's it is weird the first few times you do it. Yeah, Rabbi Mike uh, has done I that worked, a lot. Yeah, I was actually at Atlanta Federal uh, for about five years, uh, not uh, not employed, but as a uh, volunteer. Uh, minister, wow! And uh, so, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, you know, I made a point of not looking up the records of anyone I was ministering to, but occasionally, okay. you know, that people would let me know, and I was ministering to murderers and child molesters and drug runners and drink gun runners and rapists and the and, and, and you know the whole nine yards there. Um, but I also saw a lot of changed lives, and you know, just. You know, be if there's any advice we have, it's just be real. I mean, they they will these guys are very good at look, at sniffing out people who are faking. Be perfectly real with them, and you know, 
God can use someone who is real and yet, you know, treats someone who is considered the, you know, bubblegum on the shoe of society uh, to be a brother or to be a potential brother and to reach out to them. Uh, God can use that in a mighty way. And I think in the process, you'll find uh, that you get some, you know, even more healed than you are now from your experiences growing up. Um, it, having to put aside any sense of bitterness. And all that. Now, I've never been molested myself, but I've got family members who were. And so it's not, it, it, on the one hand, it's not as personal on their hand. You know, I do understand the anger there. And it really does uh, help to uh, uh, to go in and, and actually uh, interact and bring the gospel to the unlovable when you're trying to get over that. Yeah, that's kind of the, that's the biggest challenge, you know, and that's what you're going to, you know, that's, I, there must be, you know, there must be, God must really smile on that, you know, because, yeah, the to the unlovely, Jesus said it, he just said it, he said, you, I was hungry and you didn't feed me, I was naked and you didn't clothe me, I was sick and I was in prison and you didn't visit me, and his disciples said, when, when did we do this to you, and he said, when did we ever do this to you, and Jesus says, if you do it to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. Mm-hmm. I like Keith Green's version better, though. Okay. Have you heard that one? No, go. Oh, oh no. It's a, You have to hear the song. Oh, it's the called, song. It's called The Sheep and the Goats. It's by Keith Green. And it's 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 actually a really good song by the way he does it with the piano. It, 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 that always sticks in my head. It's just every time, every time somebody quotes that verse, I hear that. If, if you ever listen to Keith Green, Rabbi Mike? I can't say that I have, um, or at least not that I know I have. I may I may have stumbled across them at some point. I rotate through a lot of stuff when I'm working. Oh, I just, yeah, if you ever listen to Keith Green, he, he passed away in 1982 or mm-hmm. 2018. Uh, he, was, yeah, he was basically the main uh, pers- uh, Christian that brought contemporary music, uh, Christian music, to the forefront. And uh, um, he And he was like, if you thought Elton John or Billy Joel or uh, all the good piano players that were famous, like between them, all those guys looked at him when that dude is that one of the best piano players because how he hit the piano, it was like thunder. You know, you know he played it, and but how he played it was, but what he did it for. If you ever look him up, um, Keith Green, you could, can't miss him and listen to some of the songs. It's totally beautiful. It's totally Holy Spirit inspired. And I, you know, I met the guy when I was 14. It's when I first met the Lord. After the West Station, I was freaking out. And I had to go into a kid's rehab. <laughs> and after all that stuff. But I went. it was a, tr- a church that when I first tried to figure out who God was, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, still being ev- evolution-stricken, still, you know, raised that way. Um, I always say that because my dad is a the- theistic evolutionist. He's a, he's a scientist. So... Uh, yeah, they brought me to his one of his last concerts that he did before he died in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, best best thing I ever saw was you know him, and I got to meet him, him and his wife in person. He gave me a couple, of, just gave away his a uh, couple of his albums to me, or it's actually tapes, cassette tapes. And I'll never forget that day, you know. And that's late, you know, years later I became a Christian, but. Uh, just never forget that day. Anyway, if you listen to that guy, he has a song called Sheep and the Goats. And I think it's on, uh, I don't know what album it's on, but all you have to do is type in Sheep and the Goats, Keith Green, and you'll love it. I think you'll you'll dig it. I mean, everybody, yeah, 
you'll dig it. And everybody out there, listen to that. Keith Green, you know, um, you really like this guy. He has his music. Will, it really will touch your heart because it is Holy Spirit inspired. It really is. And uh, he does everything. How he wrote his songs on all his albums when he came to Christ is all biblical. He writes everything about the Bible. You know, like, to obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your money. I want your life. You know, stuff yeah, like that. Mercy is better than sacrifice, too. And that's the one thing that, you know, we did a lot anyway. of shows. We did a lot of shows with Matthew Miller. And uh, he's gone on to do other things now. But uh, one of the things he's always said is God desires mercy over sacrifice and that we should walk uh, giving mercy to everybody we can. And uh, that's really important. That's one thing that Matthew Miller really drilled into me. And it's something that I try to practice to have mercy on everybody that I'm, I meet, you know, during the day. That's huge, you know. And, and you know. It, that can be translated into a lot of ways. Like if somebody's uh, giving you a hard time, well, you can have mercy on them. Or if somebody owes you something, have mercy on them. You know, mm-hmm. or if somebody's hurting, you know, talk to them and have mercy on them. Give them hope. You know, there's a lot of times when you're walking through the day that you can practice mercy. That's and uh, that's kind of try. I try to live that way. I mean, I'm 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 not very good at it. You know. I, you know, I've got a list of people that need their ass kicked, and I need to thin, <laughs> <laughs> I need to thin that list down. You know, <laughs> I, I'm still working. I, I, God help me. Yeah, you know. Johnny, you didn't give me any mercy when you put me in a dress. <laughs> yeah, I put Pete. I, yeah, I made a picture of Rick in a pink dress when we first started the Iron Show. It was like a, so. Hey, we're getting kind of. We're getting kind of long in the tooth here at this session. Um, do you guys want to get? I want to give some shout outs. Do you guys want to give some shout outs like we used to do back in the old days? Oh, crap. Mm. I have one. I have one message that I'm in contact right now with Peter Goodgame, and he wants to tell all the listeners: God bless the Iron Show. Here's to seven more good years and making Jesus famous. I didn't do that good, but that's okay. Let me do it again. God bless the Iron Show. Here's to seven more years. And making Jesus famous over and out, Pete. And he says, I always stand when I hear the Iron Show intro. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was hoping for a message. That's I, awesome. <laughs> I've been in constant contact with Dr. Future, and I threatened to bring him in here. He has, he has locked himself in the bathroom with a typewriter working on his book, and he will not talk to anybody. God bless him. He is uh, going to... Uh, you know, produce this huge master seven-volume book. So I want to give a shout-out to Dr. Future uh, because w- there's a few people, without the without them, the Iron Show would have never existed. Uh, I might even be dead. And that is uh, Dr. Future, for one. Peter Goodgame, for one. They, they're both the inspiration for the Iron Show. Also, my heroes, uh, at the very beginning, the four... Uh, fringe horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, Derek Gilbert, uh, PID Radio, Sharon Gilbert, uh, Bruce Collins. Uh, the grand, the big finale was his show back then. Um, uh, Future Quake, of course, Doctor Future, and King Wells and Keith Wells, the Wells brothers. Teo Tawaki Radio. Teo Tawaki is an abbreviation for the end of the, end the world, of the world as, as we, we know, know it. it. Yes, and the short <laughs> version, affectionately known as Teo. And those guys were all there in the beginning. I'm talking 2005, 
2006, and they are the roots of the Iron Show. And I want to give a shout-out to my dear sister Daisy uh, at worldofprophecy.com. If you go to World... They would like uh, people to come in there and uh, join worldofprophecy.com. They will definitely let you in. And they're really good people. I mean, Daisy, she's my big sister. God bless her. She's like the most wonderful Christian woman that I can think of. And she is really... She's helped me so much. When I'm, when I'm angry, I vent on her and she counsels me and she's um she sent me um uh, she sent me a birthday present uh two years ago when nobody else did i was all alone in the trailer park at the end of the world on my birthday and she sent me a birthday present and it was so nice so big shout out to daisy and wait quick wait 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 quickly. I want to give a shout out to Tiger, White Tiger, White Tiger, Susan. Oh, I love you. And uh, all, and then uh, Caretaker, of course, at the World of Prophecy. So I would encourage you to go. The, the Iron Show started at theworldofprophecy.com. And you can go there. If you, if you go way back through eight years of messages, you can see where me and Rick had just started to become friends if you're interested. But, yeah, go to worldofprophecy.com and join. And I'm Johnny the Longshoreman, and get a hold of Daisy right away because she'll help you out and navigate you through it. And uh, you know, and they got live chats, they got Bible studies on Saturday night, and those are really cool. So, and I want to give a shout out to uh, I want to give a shout out to um, let's see here, how about how about Catherine Catherine Hale, our listener in uh, the UK. Johnny loves you, Catherine. Catherine is so awesome. Uh, uh, that's all I'm going to say. She's just so awesome. <laughs> I would also like to give um, a shout-out to a person that is probably the closest person ever to me in my life. And I uh, met that person in 1987 and missed that person very much. And the person might be thinking, well, Johnny's doing the Iron Show. Listen to him. He's okay. No, Johnny's not okay. So I just wanted to say that. And um, I would like to give a shout-out. To, uh, let me see, uh, Paul Rue, um, John Gomez. Um, I want to give a shout out to, of course, uh, I can't think of anybody else right now, but I'm going to come back after you guys do. Come on. Uh, uh, you want first dibs, Rick? Nope. Okay. First shout out is to my lovely wife who makes sure that I have the time to do this in the uh, evenings and uh, get in my study uh, and takes care of a lot of stuff in the household so that I can uh, uh, do the things I do here on the Iron Show and occasionally blogging and so forth. Uh, I'm going to give a big shout out to uh, Dr. Chuck Missler, who is the one who got me to take the Bible way too seriously back in the day. And while we have come up with some different conclusions than him, I uh, uh, definitely uh, do recommend his uh, stuff because if nothing else, he's humble enough to say, yeah, don't take my word for it. Go, <laughs> go double check everything I tell you. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, – oh, darn. I'm just going to – I'm trying to come up with stuff on the spot, and I'm <laughs> that. <laughs> kind of difficult. I should have prepared you for it. I want to give a shout out to Rob Skiba, even though yes. he's gone off the rails. Johnny loves him dearly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to give well, a shout out. I'll your uh, shout out to Peter Goodgame, uh, and I uh, look forward to being able to uh, get together with him on the show again sometime soon. Uh, shout out to Matthew Miller. Uh, I'm yeah. sorry that uh, we've got a parting the ways, but uh, he's someone I have a great deal of fondness for and enjoyed the challenge of uh, working with these last uh, uh, couple of years. Absolutely. 
Yeah, we're oh. going to miss Matthew Miller. Absolutely. We're going to miss him. Let's see here. Shout out to uh, Rabbi Scott Seculo over at uh, Beth Adonai, who uh, reached out to me and helped me a lot when I was at my uh, lowest point. Um, a big shout out to First Fruits of Zion for putting out lots of really good material. And for those who want to know a little bit more about Messianic Judaism, uh, you can't go wrong with uh, reading pretty much anything that comes out of First Roots Design. They've got a good, uh, the uh, website's ffoz.org. They've got plenty of free articles to wet and dip your feet into, and I recommend pretty much reading everything that D. Thomas Lancaster has ever written. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Oh, man, that seems to hit most of the bases. Oh, and a big shout-out to my lovely children, uh, my beautiful teenage daughter, uh, who teaches me more about uh, God every day than she realizes to understand his perspective and uh, what he does to reach out to us. <laughs> Sorry, I accidentally hit a button. It was my shout-out button. Sorry. What the heck was that? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's time for me to stop. Good. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just accidentally hit the button. Keep going. Yeah, right. Accidentally. No, I did. I was gonna. I was gonna cue it up for the end of the show, and I accidentally no, it's, hit it's it. It's good. I was actually at the end of where I was going. Uh, end of my shoutouts anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, all right. I bet. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Ah! It's a little. It's like a raccoon or something or a squirrel. Like a. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Rick's got some shout outs. We'll shout out Mike Tobin for one thing. I'll shout out to Blinky D. Oh, Blinky D. Blinky D. dot com. He's got a brand new website and he wants everybody to go there. So Blinky D. dot com. That's Blinky D. dot com. Blinky D. dot com. He wants you to go there. It's brand new. He built it. He's been spending like weeks building this new website. So. Blinkyd.com. Go ahead, Rick. You got shoutouts. I got. First of all, I want to do. Uh, you know, I, there's everybody else out, out there in the Iron Show throughout these years. I want to give a huge shout out to the audience. Um, yeah. The thank you for even though I haven't been around a lot because you know things that are in my life too, and which I wish I could. Most of the time, was Thursday nights. That's where he has it. Sometimes I couldn't make it, but uh, um, but I want to shout out the audience. Thank you very much for tuning in and supporting uh, the Iron Show throughout all these seven years. Um, it, it's a blessing, believe it or not, just to know that w- the numbers that Johnny keeps telling me about, which I'm just like, what? You know, but it, it's amazing that you all are the audience and that may God bless you and keep you. And those that don't know yet, may God, you know, you, you already tuned in, so it's too late for you. God's already touched that, your heart. And he's not going to stop. Yeah, so the first thing door. I want to t- talk about is S.P. Ray Psalm. I, I know your name, but I'm not going to say it. Spray Psalm. Spray Psalm. I'm giving you a shout out first because you're all, you're all, you know, we talk, you know, most of the time, all, all the time. I get to see the picture of your family and it, it's great. And all the, the music that you share all the time, I want to give a special shout out to you and your family. Yeah, and love yeah. you guys, and you guys are awesome. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to uh, my little brother Robert Joel Ellering and his son Dave Devin, who I keep telling them about Jim Greenwood, who I tell, tell them about the Iron Show, you know, tonight actually. My what, 
One of my best friends who I hang out with all the time is my buddy uh, Carl and Wendy Perkins, both of them. I love them very much. My band, In the Midst 777, Gary Lee, Wayne, Scott, Albert, Piano Hands, um, and everybody else that's involved, Gary Brufrak and Vanna and uh, Scott and Steve, yeah! Um, especially him, once they learning more about this. My sister, Terri Ann, is my real sister, who I just found out she was my real sister. Uh, so she can actually tune in eventually because I told her about this. Um, let's see who else we got. Lou Fanuki, the, the accordion player, and my Italian Don, I told him about this, who's a Christian. Hey, how you doing over there? And uh, how you doing? William how you Kovac, doing? Scott Reagan, who is an old gangster friend of mine. Uh, what's it's not anymore now? He's, uh, he's just a hardcore uh, dude. And then, of course, Michael Tobin, of course. Tootin' Tobin! Ah, Mike Tobin! Uh, yeah, Mike uh, Also, my, my father. My, my late mother for uh, for being there the whole time for the Iron Show and listening all, all the time while she was alive. And, uh, of course, my brother, if he ever gets to hear this, um, my older brother, who is, he has, he's mentally disabled, but he, he'd love to hear it if he figured out how he could work a computer. But uh, I'd probably have to send him uh, tapes or something. But I, I just give a shout-out to all of that. And... Uh, Continue tuning in. Um, hopefully, I can show up more often and hang out with John because he's such a snooker and uh, another guy. And so, I give my biggest shout out to John McMahon. Oh, oh yeah! Let's give one more shout out here. Let's give one more shout out here. Oh, yeah! One more, one more, one more, one more, one more. One more. Oh, yeah! All right! See, now I'm just having visions of you taking that and just looping it, alternating it slightly, and then using that for, like, the backdrop uh, noise for a movie about someone descending into hell. (laughs) That's the sound of a very frustrated person. (laughs) Have you ever heard heard a book called uh, Life and Times of Mr. Badman? Oh no! Here we go with books. Come on, nobody wants to hear about books right now. Let's go. Come on, let's let's hang this up, and uh, we'll talk about books. I don't know if you heard, if you heard of it. Just real quick, called the Journey uh, to Hell. He just reminded me of that. I've that's heard all. of it. I've not read it. I, I did see it on the shelf back in the day. Oh, oh! Talking about speaking about books, I'm reading a book like for the first time in like ten years. I can't read; I got ADD. But this one is readable. It's got big letters and it's big letters, and it's got pictures, and it's written by my friend Gary Pritchett. And it's called The Fallen Files, about a firefighter who gets thrown into the supernatural. He's a Christian, and he, he gets thrown into the supernatural with, like, eight angels and demons messing with him. And it's just this wild journey. So, uh, Gary Pritchett, if you look it up on uh, Amazon, it is called The Fallen Files by Gary Pritchett. And we're going to have him on here next week. Next week, we have... We have... Uh, a war hero, Byron Rogers. I call him a war hero. He wouldn't call him that himself. But, uh, yeah, he's, he, he's done uh, tours in Iraq, and he's going to tell us war stories. And uh, also, he's a motivational oh. speaker now, and so he's, he's a Christian. And it's going to be a heavy session next week, next Thursday. So, Rick, you're invited. Rabbi Mike and me are going to do it with him. But uh, you can come in, too, of course, because you're always invited since you're, like, my co-host. So, um, actually, Rabbi Mike and you are, like, both my co-hosts, so maybe you could, like, fight each other. For- <laughs> <laughs> Two men here, one man leaves. Actually, it's, actually, no, it's not fighting, it's actually an intellectual awesomeness because of the fact that I get to ask the questions, we get to kind of discuss it, 
and I get you know get to iron it out. See, he's he's somebody that I, this is what the iron show represents. You know, I didn't I didn't I'm just going yeah. This is this is it. So anytime, man, Rabbi, if uh, I'll start looking up things to look up and then maybe ask you questions or. You know, because actually, I like your intellect better than mine. So yeah, me too. I, I like his intellect better than mine too. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I like ask Rabbi Mike like every question every day. You know. Hey, whoa. so anyway, um, all right, we're gonna hang it up. That's okay with you guys. All right, all right. Here, let me do my theme music. Iron. Oh, let's iron. do that. Let's do that. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance iron of his friend. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Of his friend. Of his friend. Of his friend. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I want to thank uh, Doctor Future and Peter Goodgame for early inspiration. I want to thank Bruce Collins. The Iron Show is on the Fringe Radio Network at the behest of Bruce Collins. I want to thank producer Rick for providing us uh, a network where we can stream all over the world. And uh, he is the founder, along with Bruce Collins, of the Fringe Radio Network. I want to thank all the listeners. Thank you so much. I want to give a big shout out to my best friend in the world, Nathan Howdeshell. Johnny loves you, man. Man, you don't even know. And uh, so I want to give a shout out to all the listeners again. Thank you for seven years in your ear. So next time, I'm going to tell you the same thing. Johnny loves you. Good night, guys. Seven years in your ear. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really do have to get so. Yeah. Okay, later, bro. So, good night. Yeah. Listen to it fade out. It just lasts forever. It's like, mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, good night, everybody. I'm going to go hit the button here. Oh, thank you for seven years.